Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>Guys with beers, talking about movies with capes. Episode 6. I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic, And we watched Man, Man of, of Steel. Steel. Now, Todd. Yes. Before we get going with all the rules and everything, yes, we yes. have a very special guest Ooh. tonight. He is a 2012 New Jersey Tony winner. He has been on Broadway with two of the people from the last movie we did. X-Men. Yes. Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen. And also... He's my brother, Colin Ryan. Yay! Uh, yeah. hey, Thunderous hey, applause. First, first time, long time. <laughs> That's right. Colin, um, how are you, brother? Good. How you doing, bro? Good, man. How did you like this movie? Oh, wait. Oops. That's a spoiler. Let's take a moment, though, to yeah, acknowledge. Yeah, go ahead. Colin, um, so Colin and I are meeting for the first time. Colin is our guest tonight, but he is not physically here with us not from the Sanctum Sanctorum here Ooh, nice. in uh, Syracuse, New York. Colin, I'm a disembodied hologram that appears when you push a... No, no, sorry. I'm just on Skype. Yes. And Colin, <laughs> where are you appearing from this evening? Bloomfield, New Jersey. Hey, right, let's shout out to Bloomfield. Our, our brand new house. Yes, congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Those are some pretty serious geek credentials. Yes, sir. I mean, so this is a geeky podcast. We know this. <laughs> yeah. But you've got, you got Professor X and Magneto. True. I mean, if we had sponsors and mics that we were willing to risk, that's a mic drop. That's I a mean, mic drop. <laughs> however... We don't have... We don't have sponsors. Once again, if anyone would like to sponsor us, we are available. Please, please, God, please. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, we've got a first guest. This is very exciting. Yes. Magic of Skype. Uh, Colin is here. So, what before we start... Yes. Let's go over the rules again. We're going to go through, talk about the movie. We're going to do it less book reporty, like we did for The Crow. I think <laughs> that went a lot better. It's, you know, only a half an hour I need to cut out of that thing. Um <laughs> And then at the end, we're going to go through and talk about the Rotten Tomato score for the movie, plus a couple of extra questions that I came up with for us for the podcast. Sure. So they are most valuable player, favorite character, best scene, 
one scene we would like to cut, and my personal favorite, actor having the most fun? Great questions. I love them. And then at the end, we will also talk about the Rotten Tomato score. But now I will say that the Rotten Tomato score for this movie, Man of Steel, mm-hmm. is a 33%. Oh boy. Really? I thought it was, I, I looked it up, I heard it was higher. 33? That 33 audience, yeah. Low. Oh, you we oh, you went audience. audience. Oh, I, okay, oh, okay. Hang on. I thought the critic was fifty five. The critic was fifty five. That's what I went. I went with critic of fifty five. Okay, so the Rotten right, Tomato. Now, we should probably the calibrate. Audience on thing that. is just thirty three for the Jesus reference. Oh, sorry. I'm yeah. skipping. Oh, <laughs> oh no. save it for the end of the podcast. Oh Come no, on. there's there's so much oh, Jesus sorry, allegory Jesus in this movie. Will be the beginning, <laughs> right. middle, and end, and you have to take that up. First of all, how dare you? Okay, the critic so f- score is fifty five. Fifty five, which you. is still. Wait, shockingly, not a passing grade. Nope. Not, no, that is an F. Squarely an F. Have you considered barber college? That's it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you. If only we could work Roadhouse into this podcast. All right. Roadhouse is baseballs. That's my goal. Every single episode. We'll make it. We'll make it. Uh, all right. So that, that's uh, those are those are what we're going to do with Man of Steel. But we sure. can't jump into the movie yet because we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes. So Todd, what are we drinking tonight? Ooh, very exciting. So. Uh, first of all, uh, here in the Syracuse, New York area, the place to go for your beer selection mm-hmm. in Camillus Township 5 Branching Out Bottle Shop. So mm-hmm. the great folks at Branching Out, husband and wife, uh, hooked us up. It's the very best kind of pre-production work to do, beer shopping, right? So yes. what's yeah, the right, right beer? Yeah, right? Absolutely. There's far worse ways to prepare for a podcast. So uh, what is the beer that would be perfect for Man of Steel, Son of Earth, Son of Krypton? So we have Elysian Brewing Company out of Seattle, Washington, Space Dust IPA. So a little bit about Elysian, right? So they're they're a brewery. They also operate four restaurants in the Seattle area. Hmm. Um, I was surprised to to get a Seattle, you know, craft brew here in in Syracuse, but but, – Branching that just out. speaks volumes for branching out, yeah. Branching out never disappoints. So um, now what I really admire about Colin's dedication is, so we told Colin last night what we were drinking, mm-hmm. and in the wilds of New Jersey, <laughs> Colin, was your mission a success? Uh, I looked it up on Untapped app, and they said they sold it at the liquor locker, and I drove five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes? Oh, my God. I'm sure you meant I, I, five hours. I'd right. had this before. Uh, Elysian has... has Pretty much full coverage here in the New York. Oh, nice, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Uh, and you are stuff. a Tapped stuff. app user. Correct? I do use Untapped. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Fr- I'll friend you on Untapped, yeah. Colin. We'll have to trade notes. Oh notes. boy, beer nerds. All right, so uh, we are guys with beers. Let's right. clink. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, it's very nice. That's a good beer. You know, I'm not a huge fan of a of a hoppy beer, yep. but this is just the right amount of hop. It's got a nice little bitterness to it, much yeah. like the man of steel himself that's right you know it's a yeah. little, little balance well, but it's but it's bright unlike mm-hmm. say this film yeah, but, oh, oh i see what you did there oh, well right. played yeah i've never known anything from a legion not to be balanced so mm. even though it's definitely hopped forward it, i feel like you know it's very smooth and drinkable yeah i, yeah, I would drink I, I agree. this i would drink this again yeah, it's a good totally. beer yeah add it to the list uh, we'll add it to the list all right, all right. and now reshoots and reactions casey colin yes Every film has reshoots. Every film. Right. Including Justice League. It, wh- ooh, why would our podcast be any different, right? Right. We're not perfect. We're fallible. You did it, buddy, <laughs> on the first try. <laughs> first take. Oh, first boy. take. Nobody's nerfed. That's right. That's mm. right. That's right. So um, in the past, we've shared a couple of things that folks have weighed in. Errors that we made. 
we've addressed. Also, the reactions. Folks have shared some thoughts with us we've addressed, but we've got a couple more for tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, reshoot number one, mistake we made in episode three, which was X-Men. Our good buddy Josh pointed out that during one of our riffing exchanges, we referred to my favorite Martian. Todd. I'm sorry. Thank you, Bob. I referred to him as Ray Walton. Of course, it is the venerable actor Ray Walston. Oh, yes. Nice. So good, good catch, Josh. Thank you, Josh. You get a Superpod Hero Cast prize, <laughs> which is. <laughs> now, the reaction we got today comes to us from our Facebook page. So we're newly on Facebook. Uh, so we are at facebook.com slash Superpod Hero Cast. Like the page. Send us a note, interact with the community. So one of our fans, Erica, she reviewed the movie list, and she's got a perspective. Oh. So she's got two movies that are not on the list that she thinks should be on the list. Oh, boy. I agree with Andre. (laughs) Yes, yes. So movie number one, The Last Starfighter. Not a superhero movie. Not a superhero movie. It's a fucking great film, but it's a sci-fi movie. movie. Yeah, it's sci-fi. Colin, what do you think? Uh, I mean, if it's on there, then you'd have to put Star Wars on there since it's just ripping off Star Wars. Oh, I think we're we're calibrating. Sorry, Erica. Thank you for coming in, but uh, we're going to pass. <laughs> we're going to pass. We're going to go in a different direction. Right. Creative differences. Um, <laughs> now, her next suggestion, I had a harder time. Let me say two words to you. Oh, no. The Matrix. Yeah, I was. that was I literally thinking that might be The Matrix. Oh, okay. Because, but So here's the thing. The first one's so good, but then it falls off the rails so hardcore in two and three. I would point out to you that we're going to watch and, Superman 4. Ooh. But so, Colin, you but, were already thinking that. Well, you know, because I, I immediately started thinking, what is almost on the cusp? You know, The Matrix is a very similar structural film to Last Starfighter. Guy who lives in an imaginary version of the world discovers it's real. So, so here's uh, my last starfighter for superheroes. It's almost like it depends on which world it sits in. We've not specifically defined superhero movie. I am using the Supreme Court's definition of obscenity as a stand-in for yeah. superhero. I know what it is when I see it. If it's a visible erection, then it's a superhero it's movie. Clearly, you're right. Clearly, right. right. It's all Deadpool. Um, so. <laughs> But, you know, in the first Matrix movie, mm-hmm. when Neo is in the in the Matrix, uh-huh. in that world, he is clearly a superhero. Yeah. It nope. is structurally, like, beat for beat, a superhero origin film. <sighs> okay. It, I, so, so can gonna, I, wait, yeah, can, please? can I counter offer? Please. Can we put it up on Twitter as a poll? Oh. That's a good idea. So, step one, we're going to need people to... Follow us on to Twitter. us on social media. Well, first of all, we're going to need a Twitter account. Step one. Oh, we should just get a super pot here. We should do. Yeah. We should do that on the Facebook page. Why don't we do that in the Facebook? Oh, we page? can do it. Yeah, yeah let's just Facebook's do the poll on, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Facebook is good for polls. Twitter is really better for sexual harassment and Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Colin, it's like you were meant to be in this podcast. <sighs> God, all damn right. It. So this is what we'll do. So this episode will not release for a few weeks, mm-hmm. but by the time we're ready to release it, we will have something ready to go on Facebook and we'll let uh, we'll let the people speak. Yeah. I'm okay with the first one. So can we just make the well, the, the Facebook no. thing? See no, I think I, see that's the thing though. I think you like bastard. We, well wait a minute. We watch Captain America seventy nine. If uh, we're gonna watch Captain America two a death too soon. That's right. And Captain America the 90, first Avenger. Yeah. Oh you oh. son of a bitch. <laughs> Geek fight. We've said 
if they got theatrical releases, like once you start a series, in for a penny, in for a pound. Oh, fuck. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, so Erica, well played. Well and played. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so you, we've given we got some stuff to ponder there. Yeah. Okay. Is that all we got for reshoots? That's what we got. So, Colin, since you are the world's greatest Superman fan, I feel it has been said. Okay. Can you give us a brief history of Superman, and then did you do anything for the actual movie itself? Yeah, I kind of looked into the rather torturous process that brought this movie <laughs> to life. Superman is the the granddaddy of them all. Arguably, the first actual full-on superhero. 1938, Siegel and Schuster uh, invents the genre, takes bits of uh, adventure serials, of science fiction, and sort of mixes it all together and puts its underwear on the outside and says, hey, this is a new thing. Uh, And basically an entire genre is born out of this. Yeah, arguably, you know, sort of Batman a year later does uh, the other side of it. And that's all kind of riffing on the shadow. I mean, Batman begins as the shadow with the serial numbers filed off. But, uh, you know, you, you could kind of define the DC universe, though, by those two heroes, right? Like his bookends, right? If you think of a continuum, Batman is a man. Mm-hmm. Superman is a god. This is true. So there's one half of the spectrum. Uh, but arguably, they represent, despite that, sort of the one... Is, I think when they're being written at their best, Superman is more accessible emotionally than Batman, despite being the God. Oh, mm. see, we're, you and I are going to, I like you, but we're going to disagree. Please continue. <laughs> maybe, uh, uh, maybe just in this movie. I, mm. I said when they were being written well. Oh, um, oh tipping his so, hand. So Superman uh, goes through a lot of changes. He begins a leap tall buildings in a single bound. Uh, nothing but a bursting shell can break his skin faster than a locomotive. And those powers ramp up and ramp up through the years, uh, flight, heat vision, until eventually he literally can and does juggle planets, uh, which leads to a whole long <laughs> period in the Silver Age where you can't really write him as a character. You have to write weird situations that happen around him like, oh, no, Superman has a lion head now. Or, oh, Jimmy's <laughs> turned into a gorilla again. What was you the know? kryptonite that would do odd mutations? Was that red? Red made him... Lose his powers. No. Yeah, maybe he loses powers. Uh, no, I think the, I think it was maybe black kryptonite that kind of would just, yeah, give him a lion head for a week. Okay. You know? There were every single color of kryptonite at one point. Now, now to be sure. fair, now, now, so I'm a Marvel fanboy, right? Full disclosure. Sure. Uh, everyone As has everyone their faults. Right? Oh, you yeah. son of a bitch. So to be fair. I thought the preferred term was zombie. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. It's a, I see I how this goes. I got a DC go. on my yeah, shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, yeah, but you need it, though. Oh, oh, you son of a bitch. So these are characters with decades of canon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So you can point to any moment over 70 or 80 years where you're like, well, this is clearly ridiculous. So, <laughs> sure. you oh, know, no, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, to be fair, you get you mm-hmm. got I, I acknowledge that there have been some odd moments in Marvel history as well. And I think, Colin, are now, you in the uh, camp that the books now are borderline fan fiction with what they're doing with all these characters? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think I actually think rebirth, which is the latest of in a series of variably soft, hard, soft boiled poached (laughs) reboots, uh, resets of the uh, DC canon. Um, I think uh, actually Superman's being written really well now. Um, Oh, great. Oh, right, because you didn't uh, like New 52 Superman because he was a dickhead. Yeah, he was. He's not the big blues boy scout. He was 
remarkably similar to uh, what we'll find as we talk about this movie. He was yeah. a sort of tortured, hot-headed, armored guy. The only guy who wrote him well, I think, in New 52 was Grant Morrison when he wrote him as not being able to fly and running around in jeans and a T-shirt. Grant Morrison, when it, when they did New 52 again, they in action – it was set in the very earliest years of his career, and in Superman, the title, it was uh, five years in. So by the by, the five years in, he has powers that built all the way up to what we think of as Superman. But the conceit was that in action, he was like 22 and basically only had his Silver Age powers. He could leap tall buildings. He huh. was that's fucking awesome. I mean, it was a chance for Grant Morrison to do his Grant Morrison that, playing yeah. with those thing. It's a good read. Um, the the true hero of it is actually Mixix Pitalik. What? Let's give. I, I want to give props. So that is a villain or foil, which is often overlooked. I I think because his name is ridiculous. Colin, you went full speed ahead. Can we get that one more time? Mixix Pitalik. That's that's <laughs> impressive. So yeah, so one of the things that's been a hallmark of Superman and DC in general, but Superman's been a real bellwether for the way they've done it, is a series of uh, reboots. So uh, 1986, you get John Byrne does Man of Steel. I will tell you, that is, for me, the defining Superman. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge John oh, Byrne yeah. fan. That, that's my, yeah. That's as good as it gets. Actually, I love everything John Byrne did with the Justice League, that whole dark side, that whole piece. For me, that's as good yeah. as DC gets. Yeah. Yeah. The immediate post-crisis years, I'd say like 86, 87 through 94, 95, but basically from post-crisis to zero hour, mm-hmm. that's the sweet spot. Since then, it's never been consistently as good. There have been, you know, you get the right writer and the right sure. artist, you can have these great runs, but that uh, that was, they were really telling, I mean, and that was the era where there were at one point five Superman titles being published, four of which were monthly, one of which was quarterly, so that every week of the year there was a Superman title, and there would be a small S symbol on the front with a number telling you the reading order because it actually interwove the whole thing. Not necessarily it was all serialized, but say the the the, the B and C stories and the background characters. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Perry White was having trouble with his wife in one thing, it was going to show up in the other. It was almost similar to the design of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So we have a new piece of audio equipment that allows Colin to appear in our audio mix. It's working very well so far, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, so I already pitched my brother Matt, who lives in Florida, that he needs to appear. My brother Matt hates the movie adaptations. He wants a direct translation from the comic to the screen, you know, yellow spandex and all. Nobody. He's a little extreme, in my opinion. However, he has an interesting idea that I I kind of subscribe to. And I think characters like Superman, Mm -hmm. Batman, Captain America, they fall into this mix where his opinion is you should really retire these heroes, let them be legends, and occasionally step back in. But how do you tell 70 years worth of stories and continue to be interesting and relevant without... All of a sudden, Captain America is now an agent of Hydra. Or you, Batman pisses himself. Right, right, right. Oh, so, yeah. Well, that's just, no, let Kevin Smith too close. Oh, well, well, we Cacophony like was great. His first run with Batman was awesome, but I have not picked up that one because I don't want to see Batman oh, piss his pants. I mean, I would definitely say that the best Superman stories, and I think this would apply to certainly a, a lot of superheroes, uh, but the best Superman stories since that sort of zero hour fall off uh, have been things that for one reason or another are standalone. You got your all-star Superman. Even last night, last year's uh, American Alien, which was Max Landis's yeah. take on it. 
young Superman that was, you know, it was very Max Landis, but it <laughs> Which, was, no, but, I mean, but in a kind of good way. I mean, it, 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 I like it, Max Landis. It's just for most of the movies that I've watched of his, the third act, it just crumbles to pieces. This really brings up a thing that, that crystallized for me as I was watching this film. And my new operating theory is Hollywood is terrified of the superhero genre because it is the youngest film genre. The the second youngest is musicals because sound took a while to catch up. But other than that, every other kind, romance, comedy, romantic comedy, westerns, spy thrillers, they've all been being made since the mm-hmm. 19-teens. Real superhero movies are 30 years old, 40 years old. If even that, you yeah. Know? Well, and so real, for, as far as our podcast is concerned, 1966, that the, the movie, right? That's as far back that's as we're going to go. That's where we snapped the line. And even then, it's drips and drabs until you hit And the, that's a uh, long-form TV movie. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I think it shows up a lot in this movie. It shows up in a lot of other movies where they make another kind of genre picture and slap a, a patina of superhero over it. Well, All right, so wait. Yeah, so what, what do you think the genre for? Man of Steel is an alien invasion movie half the time. Oh, shit. There You're absolutely cool. right. Man loving shots it's why we spend what? 25 minutes on krypton before we go and to be fair to a film i like better you did the same thing in donner that's like a half hour on krypton but you know that science fiction we get it we understand science fiction we've been making science fiction since eisenstadt you know mm-hmm. but let's make it science fiction let's have lots of shots of harry lennox and uh, toby from the west wing staring <laughs> up at twenty thousand year old ships in ice, which is not a non-comic book conceit, but it's not the core of a superhero narrative. And it's very much the uh, alien invasion film. So I think if I'm hearing this correctly, Casey and I have shared on prior episodes that both of us have a sweet spot for comics. Mm -hmm. I consider myself a bronze age to early modern age, 70s into aughts or 90s. Right, that's kind of my sweet spot. You know, Casey's got a, a range. So we've said the, this is the the prime for us of the of our characters. We acknowledge that there is activity <laughs> after that, but yeah. sounds like you're continuing with the with the stories. But wh- how does oh, that yeah. strike I you? Mean, I mean, I keep up on things. You know, some of it is just through you know sort of news in the industry, but I, right. I do. You know, maybe we'll get a sponsor. Hoopla, basically digital trade paperbacks yes. out of your library. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a pretty good way to kind of keep up on what's going on without spending the extremely high price of a comic book. And I will say, uh, I, that's how I read, uh, the city of owls, the second part of that, um, Batman story, which I was great with until, uh, one of the talents ended up being Bruce's brother. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm out. That's a spoiler. But spoiler for the spoiler, I'm pretty sure he didn't. It was a fake out. Oops. Now, we know, Casey, that you are a DC guy uh-huh. with the other end of the defining arc of heroism in the I believe you're speaking DC. of the goddamn Batman. So you're a Batman guy. Your thoughts on Superman as a character? My thoughts is Superman as a character or Not this Henry movie. Cavill? Superman as a character. He is the perfect juxtaposition to Batman. He is... Uh, where Batman will do whatever it takes to get stuff done, yep. there is a limit for Superman. And if we're doing the D and D rules, he is lawful good. Yes. So I think, and God I think Batman it. falls into chaotic neutral. God damn it! You hit the one chink in the armor of my attack. I, full disclosure: I think Superman is a boring character. Nerd fight. Here's my 
perspective on this. He is a God, mm-hmm. and as a God, he has nothing to risk. And if there is nothing to risk, there is no drama. Why do I care? How do I empathize with, with a God? Now, I will say my feelings on this movie we'll discuss specifically, but going in, you should know I am not a Superman fan. I think he's a boring hero. So I, I think good writers know how to write it. And okay. I, I think it's, you know. And I'll piggyback on that, Colin. Good comic book writers. The oh. movie writers seem to have a problem writing this character so, for the most generally, part. Generally, though, yep. uh, you'll, you'll talk about it when you get to Donner, but I think there's a moment in that film that gets. Oh, yes. It's in one and it's it's the well, it's it's twice in one, but it's really, you know, uh, they do it wrong in this movie, but that's OK. <laughs> you can't save everyone. Yes. And if you have the power to save almost everyone, the key is he's not a god. He's a demigod. He isn't God. Okay. He cannot save everyone. He is and, not omnipotent. He isn't. I do think he works best when he is well nigh on to omnibenevolent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if he's not omnibenevolent, then he's terrifying. But that's a whole other thing. Okay. Right, so that would be more the Superman Red Sun story arc. How about oh, Superman Injustice? Or Injustice. You know, a comic yeah. inspired by a yeah. video game, right? So they yeah. just love to write evil Superman. They I mean, sure but do. That's the equivalent of Captain America as an agent of Hydra. Like, you subvert the whole character. You can't. Is that shit still right. going on? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. You don't care. Yes. Yeah. So, so we've talked about Superman as a character. Colin, do you have some notes on the production of this movie, Man of Steel? Well, I really have some, some just a brief rundown of the lead up between sort of the end of the Christopher Reeve, the brief resurgence that was Superman Returns, and then where we go from here. Um, so, go for so, it, buddy. Well, the, I do think it's relevant in that so much of the development work that was done wound up in this film. You've got your uh, Superman Lives uh, which oh all come well. Superman first you have Superman Reborn, which becomes Superman Lives, and this is the Tim Burton uh, directing a Kevin Smith script starring Nick Cage. It's kind of insane, uh, and this is where you get your giant spider and and all the great Kevin Smith stories that come out of it. But you also get this recurring obsession with he's going to die and be reborn. He's going to die and reborn because hey, that sold a lot of comics, kids. That occurs after Death of Superman at Doomsday's right. so hand. It's right after Death of Superman, which the only reason Death of Superman happened in the comics is it was supposed to be Wedding of Superman. But at the time, <laughs> Lois and Clark, the television series, was running, and they and Synergy they wanted to make sure that they happened at the same time. So they said, well, what are we going to do? Know, we haven't killed them in a while. Cool. Oh, so, get the fuck out. I never knew that. That is, that is why there was a death of Superman instead. It was supposed to be the wedding because they've been building to that for about five or six years. Right. And that was when they finally created a real romance between Clark Kent and Lois Lane. That, right. You know, that did really involve Superman. Um, so that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and then eventually becomes sort of a bunch of random projects, including, you know, McGee was going to make it. But right. I think McGee wind up making it because McGee, ironically, refuses to fly. Um, huh. So McGee was on it and then he was off it. And then he came back when it became Superman flyby. Yeah. After a brief time as Batman versus Superman it was going to be Wolfgang Peterson. Uh, and then it became Superman flyby. What? I so want to see Jay- that movie. Yeah. But a lot of uh, flyby, I think, shows up in this movie. This idea of um, there's still a bunch of Kryptonians around. They can bring their ships here. I mean, a lot of that is also lifted from Mark Wade's birthright. You know, this idea that your ultimate baddies are going to be. But I mean, literally in J.J. Abrams script for flyby, Krypton itself did not explode. 
which is like it's like putting blanks Joe Chill's gun. So yeah. all of this goes on and on and on and eventually really does fall apart until you get your Superman returns. But it's only after that that they say we need this really hard reboot that's an origin story notice none of those are origin stories they all tend to be death stories or you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. uh, batman they've gotten past the need to retell the origin that you know everybody knows well now interestingly i have read criticism of the modern superhero movie which has said they need to stop telling origin stories now captain marvel is coming out and to be fair yeah. she needs an origin story right spider-man doesn't need one Captain doesn't America need doesn't need one. Superman doesn't need one. Batman does oh not need one. Right, we, know. we know. Yeah, they're dead. We get but, it. But this ties into my theory about Hollywood's fear of the superhero genre, because one of the defining things of the superhero genre is its ongoing serialized nature. Right. Comics don't end. Mm -hmm. uh, a origin story, ironically, gives you a sense of an ending. Yes. You've got a sure. good, solid three-act structure, the third of which is, and now I am so-and-so person. Ta-da! You know? <laughs> and so there's a, a solid ending. And I think that that is one of the reasons they're addicted to it. So we have a movie on our list, Unbreakable. <laughs> it's a great film. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. But, but I would say that that is a high-water mark for yeah. origin stories. That is, in my mind, boy, I got to tell you, I, I, would look, I would take a hard look at any movie that proposes – to tell an origin story for Hero. Mm -hmm. You know, the Spider-Man reboots. You know what? I think the best thing about Homecoming, again, tipping our hand. Is that they don't do they, an origin. No, we know who Spider-Man is. He got bit by a radioactive spider. He's Peter Parker. He's a teenager. He's in high school. Bam, go. So, yeah. yeah. Boy, Colin, this is good. I'm, I'm, in, I'm digging you this You are work. definitely our MVP guest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You are the that. best guest we've ever had, Colin. I just want to say that. <laughs> but we don't just, out. we're not just saying that because you're the first. That is really all you need for Superman. I mean, there are people who have never seen another book or movie living in a you know jungles somewhere who know oh yeah he's from Krypton yeah he's Clark Kent reporter I mean like everybody knows this you don't yeah. need to do a whole you don't movie have to other. do it Colin that is a brilliant dissection of of Superman's origins Thank well you. said brother yeah absolutely so I've got a couple of notes now I, so I'm avoiding the obvious so Zack Snyder directs right Zack Snyder so a couple of things so production so let's let's place this in time okay 2013 mm -hmm. Man of Steel um, the one interesting production note that I really like I'm sure not a surprise to either of you but David S. Goyer writes the screenplay his <sighs> fingerprints are all over the geek movie universe oh god yes yes in addition to Batman versus Superman mm -hmm. he's He's written Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, part of the Nolan verse. Right. right? He, well, he was a contributing writer, yeah. Sure. Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, <sighs> which is on our list. Jumper. Did that end up on our list? I don't, I gonna. I need to go back and take a look. I don't. I feel like Jumper needs to be on your list. Jumper, it's got Samuel L. Jackson in it. Right? And it's got Hayden Christensen. Ooh. Oh, wait. Is it Samuel L. Jackson? Fair, though, no, yeah. I have never seen Jumper, but just based on the that ad that I saw a lot, it seems like a superhero movie. It, it You're right. They like have, it, he has superpowers. I, we're going to yeah. have to go back and look. So he wrote for Blade the Series, which was a TV series on Spike. With... Some rapper as yes. played. Yep. And I did not write his name down. It's a... I'll look it up. You look it up? Yeah. yeah. Um, he also wrote all of the Blade movies. Oh, God. How bad? <laughs> Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Was that Sticky Fingers? Fingers. No, Fingers. Fingers. Blood is quite sticky, guys. Easy, guys. He also wrote The Crow City of Angels. And finally, he directed Blade Trinity, which is often acknowledged as a breakout role for Ryan Reynolds 
in terms of the superhero genre, right? Agreed. Because um, that's when Wesley Snipes would not appear on set, so Ryan Reynolds would just riff and improv as oh, if he were there. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. By the way, correction from your X-Men episode, the character's name is Hannibal King. You're referring to the half-human, half-vampire detective, Hannibal King. Yeah, Hannibal King. He's Hannibal King in, in Blade 3. Fuck, is, is he really? Wait, that's a comic no, character. I did not get yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It is a comic character. Absolutely. Fuck, am, awesome. So um, I am a that, proud owner of Doctor Strange number 62, in which ooh, Doctor hmm. Strange uses the Darkhold, which is a yes. grimoire of dark magic, to reverse the curse that allows vampirism in Earth and destroys all of Earth's vampires, including Dracula, as he's attacking the circle, that, that which they're reading, and Hannibal King is this half-human, half-vampire detective who, who is saved because he is never fed on human blood. So they are able to revive him. They give him like a blood transfusion of human blood. Oh, fuck. That's cool. In my mind, it's a defining Doctor Strange uh, issue. He was in a 90s series called Darkhold Redeemers that was oh. literally all about finding pages from the Darkhold. It's such a great bit of arcane Marvel <clears throat> universe. So I think we've addressed the character's history a little bit about the production. I feel like we're about ready to go into the movie, except guess what? My glass is empty. Oh, no, mine is too. Two things before we start the movie. Back to Superman Flyby when it was Mick G. Do you know who auditioned to play Superman in that? Oh, um, yes. He wound up playing another major superhero. He ended up playing Superman <laughs> in this movie. Oh, did Henry Cavill audition then? Yes, and there is a picture what? floating around the internet of him in the Chris Reeve Superman suit, oh. like hanging out in a dressing room. You're like, holy shit, you look like Superman even here. That's amazing. Um, well, look, I mean, look, skipping ahead, I think he could be a terrific Superman. And I, I, I have my wait, theory. I cannot wait to get into this. Right. I have my theory real quick. And again, this will get cut. Yeah. I think <laughs> with his with his rebirth in Justice League, I'm hoping we see the Superman that we've been waiting for. Might be. Ad- auditioning for Feora was Gal Gadot. She was uh, cast, yeah. oh. but had to drop out because she had a baby in her belly. Zack Snyder loves his possibly Israeli brunette, <laughs> heavily accented women, and that's going to put them in this. And you got your Gal Gadot. I mean, he loves it. Well, I mean, I, they, we we love Gal Gadot, so thank you, Mr. Yeah, Snyder. Yes, Gal Gadot, exactly right. Uh, so I did have one interesting casting note. I didn't think of it. Um, Connie Nielsen, who eventually ended up in Wonder Woman as her mother, was originally yes. slated to play. Uh, Martha? Why did you say that name? No, his actual mother. Oh, Lara. Lara. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And of course, uh, the person who plays his biological father, Jor-El, Russell Crowe. Oh. Okay, so we're going to end it. Okay, let's let's get into it. it. Let's get into it. All right, so let's start the movie. And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. This is this movie starts. I'm going to start as I always do with the title credits. You do. <laughs> I do. True. This has a 60 second logo opening. It's a cool effect where it goes from WB to Syncopy to DC. 
to one other one and then into the movie. But 60 seconds is way too fucking long. But what, one of these days, my buddy Ryan, who, who Casey knows, we want to make a film that's just like 15 minutes of increasingly ridiculous vanity logos. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like... never actually fucking starts. You know, did, you know, doesn't Deadpool perfectly skewer yes. that trope, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And thankfully, this movie doesn't then show us those names again during the film like yeah we got it 10 seconds ago thank you very much would it would you have been okay with it if if you had a sir patrick stewart voiceover of krypton a planet of advanced <laughs> yes. civilization? i thought you were going to say a dutch angle and i was going to tell you to go that, fuck that, off that's right that's right that'll be later <laughs> let's talk about the core harvest so they switch how krypton is being destroyed it's not oh, um man what is it originally colin it's not core harvesting uh, right i you know i i don't think it's is it anything? Wasn't it just I, unstable? Core? I think it's just unstable old yeah. planet. Um, okay. Yes, which makes sense because Krypton, red sun, red suns are older than yellow suns. Oh, yeah. It's, Good it's point. just an old, very old civilization. I know. Occasionally, they actually get real science in there. Hashtag yeah. science. I don't think that this is the first retelling of this story to put a sort of, "Hey, we are responsible for this environmental oil so oil drilling." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- yeah. Yeah, which, which uh, is not a thing. I, it's rather heavy-handedly delivered in this film, but I don't Ooh, object boy. to it as an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not the first time that you know Byrne was the one who sort of said Krypton, who was the first one to say maybe Krypton was a dystopia, sure, you know, yeah. full of eugenics and weirdness. <laughs> so, I, so it's a lot uh, of weirdness. Oh man! But you, you, we said Russell Crowe. So I mean, he's right in the beginning, second phase. Right after the, literally the very first shot is, is a woman giving birth. Right. Right. So I'll say flat out, Russell Crowe rocks it. And I, I have this note throughout. I want a Jor-El prequel movie. I don't care how it connects. I want Russell. <laughs> I want more you just like Russell, Russell Crowe Crow as Jor-El. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Oh my God. He was at one point uh, in the late nineties, mid nineties attached to the various developing oh, Superman. I did not know that. Yeah. As a possible Superman. Ooh, No. So good as the well, father. He was a he was a huge he was a huge star then, you know. But he um, would have been a terrible I think, Superman. I, no, I don't think he would have worked. But no. but no, he's 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 perfectly good as as Jor El. He was quite the action hero. Yes, this he, is this is the most actiony Jor El I've ever Jor-El. seen. But at the same time, and you know, so you referenced the harvesting of the core. So we mm-hmm. so we learned that Krypton is dying not because of age, but because of a choice. They have taken energy from the core of their planet. Their, right. their own science and technology has doomed their people. They interestingly set up Jor-El as the moral voice of science, which we often associate science as an amoral pursuit. Yeah. Right. right? Knowledge has its own rewards, like science is an absolute value. Um, and when we get to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Ultron, in Avengers <laughs> of Ultron, right? Like, so I've written on my blog about about Ultron as the extension of the atomic weapon, mm-hmm. right? So Robert Oppenheimer, father of the atomic bomb, is famously said to have remarked on the testing of the atomic bomb, you know, I have become Vishnu. Todd, let's try that again. Yeah, I've become Shiva, the destroyer of worlds, right? Yeah. So in that context, science is often the artifact of our own destruction. In this movie, Jorel, the scientist, is speaking against science as the tool to destruct and he has opposed the tapping of the core right we find and out the eugenics and it, right and we find out that he has opposed the eugenics he, he mm-hmm. has opposed the scientific design of the birth and reproduction of his people 
So he represents, in my mind, a very nuanced scientist that you don't often see. Like it's, I feel yeah. like it's a, it's a, it's an easy to fall into. Like, oh, science is bad, and and knowledge must be fettered. And he's a borderline philosopher. He he's a moral philosopher and yeah, scientist that happens to do science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Thank um, you. Thank you for that. Uh, that riff. Sorry. So, Colin, th- these are what the riffs are like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what I have no, to edit, Colin. Know, <laughs> oh, you I, do think, I do think. I do think. You know, you said it, it. It's not just that it's dying because it's old, but I do think they mentioned that you know the reserves were gone. We had to tap it. it it's definitely portrayed as an an old civilization. I yes. mean, we don't ever see young Kryptonians really. Um, Would and, you, and I think that that just ties into the big immigrant metaphor, old world, new world. No, that's, you know, yeah, that's good. would you define, but I think, you know, you can't define decadence as a young quality, right? Like decadence yeah. kind of implies no, I mean, age. Those Kryptonian um, council the members council? are just, yep. they're, yeah, they just, they all look, they all look like, you know, <laughs> I Claudius, just these they old, do. <laughs> unmoving, unmovable old politicians, yeah. you know? So when we rate the movie, we're going to rate this as this movie. Mm-hmm. We don't have to ignore the movies that have become before it. In the Donner Superman, yes, Krypton is this crystalline, clear, like everything's glassine, clear. Icebergs. Transparent yeah. icebergs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, crypt, in the Krypton in Man of Steel, it right. is this dark, earthy. Oh, colorless. And I'll I'll jump ahead. So everything in this world seems like it's black and desolate and all that stuff, and that's fine. So where does Superman get the color in his suit when it's on that twenty thousand year old spaceship? Why does well, why does that? And why was there no explanation? Well, why the suit is on that at all doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. But <laughs> sure doesn't. First you know, of all, what? But- well, you could you could hand wave at you know we used to like color on Krypton, but no, I mean it definitely feels like Zack Snyder's obsession with desaturated color is just he's like I can create a whole world that that you know doesn't have a, as much of a defined iconography as the rest of the story. Wow, what if we just do brown? But uh, you <laughs> know, sepia. so Sepia's for me, the, the the yeah sepia yeah the visual of Krypton matches. So I'm tipping my hand. Go right ahead. I like this Superman as the most earthy, real iteration of this character that I've seen in that the dark colors, the the metal earth, as opposed to that kind of transparent glass crystal view of the Donner, like it grounds it in a reality that doesn't, the the earlier ones, while I appreciate them, doesn't have the same effect. I'm like, well, this works for me. Yeah. I mean, you're no, wrong. I mean, but. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you're right in the, no, you know, there's, there's certainly a good 30, 35 years of like understanding how to render a science fiction alien world on uh, that, that. It's much more concretely done. And the grim colors sort of match the borderline dystopia version of Krypton. Sure. But, oh, yeah. But I do have a chicken and egg question there. Like, is is Krypton the dystopia because they were like, well, we better make it. We want to make it grim looking. You know, the, the visuals come first, which is, I think, always a question one must ask with Snyder. Huh, I would say probably. 75% is yeah. story before visuals. There's a 25% mark in this movie that Zack Snyder just does the shot because it looks fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, I mean, I have, I don't have a, a ton of issues with the way uh, Krypton is portrayed in this. You know, it it's a viable take. It, it takes from a lot of different things. And it's, it's you know, well, 
after Jor-El dies, and let's be honest, this film continues the long tradition of being like, my father. Also, there was a woman somewhere. <laughs> and so, you know, Lara is an afterthought, just yeah, as as, sure. as mothers often sadly are in these things. You know, how much do we hear about Thomas Wayne? How much do we really hear about Martha Wayne? Why did you say that name? Once he's dead, I'm like, okay, can we get to Kansas, folks? Well, um, uh, can the planet so just fucking blow up I, already? I care about Krypton really only as much as I care about the spider that bites Peter Parker. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the spider's dead, Ned. I don't need to know what the spider had for breakfast. Was it a light breakfast? That's why he was bitey. It's just not needed. First of all, how dare you both? Thank you, Bob. Point of order, <laughs> I would point out that I defy you to make the argument that at the moment in which Jor-El decides that he will save the legacy of his people and he goes to take the codex, mm. the genetic map of Krypton, and he reaches for it and it is an ancient skull. I Tell me that in that moment you're not like, well, what is the story behind the fucking skull? Well, I have a question and Colin, maybe you can answer this. Is the skull supposed to represent Brainiac? In a better film? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. Yes. It, in, instead, it was just like somebody on the design team was like, I don't know, make it look like Lucy. But isn't it like panspermia? Like, doesn't it raise the question of like, does do we as a people exist? So there's, you know, the, the theory of panspermia that there's this seed that's been uh, sprinkled throughout the universe and that we are basically no, seeding. Exists. Oh, yeah. Panspermia. I thought you just I, wanted to say panspermia. Why he looks human. Yeah. And, so yeah. are they yeah. our distant ancestors? Uh, here's my. Here's the only question that's really raised for me by the Codex, the skull. What is Jor-El's motivation? Oh, God damn it. Yes. I don't, I, I don't know that part. To do? Does he want to restart the Kryptonian race? Or does he want to just keep it from Zod so Dodd doesn't? Zod doesn't restart it in his own way. It's so, I mean, this is a recurring theme in this film. Is like the Codex is, is a giant problem with this well, movie. Well, no, Not but no, no. Codex. What does any given character want at any moment? So trouble telling that Jor El wants to save his people. He first to the council says, "Look to the stars, like our ancestors did. There are habitable worlds within reach." We can begin by using the old outposts. I posit that he is taking action to ensure the survival of his species. Later, mm -hmm. when Clark has to make the choice of... Spoiler territory. You're right. Thanks, Bob. Preserving Earth mm -hmm. or preserving the Kryptonian legacy, Jor-El points out they didn't tell him that right away, that they wanted him to understand his dual legacy so that he could choose... But again, he has an eye on the, the continuation of his peoples. This is where you get into this weird problem that happens when you try to make an alien invasion movie out of a superhero movie. So Siegel and Schuster, right, he came from another planet because at the end, they don't even have a yellow sun radiation thing in the original version. It's just like on that planet, they were real strong. Sure. Really? Uh, and, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they don't ever go deep enough because, again, who cares what the spider had for breakfast? They don't go deep enough to even think, well, wait a minute. If these people can send a rocket ship all the way here, how come only one of them got away? If they're like that advanced in space travel and because that doesn't make a lot of sense. And there's a little bit of lampshading in the direction of, well, we used to be out in the stars and now we're not. But why did Jor-El not just build a slightly bigger ship right. and, and like, put all those things on it? All right. the little pots. Yeah. But so back to the sun thing. So the sun on Krypton is yellow. It's not red. 
Yeah, right. So instead of making yeah. it, instead of making it the red sun yeah. and all that, it's just that Earth sun is younger, and so therefore he'll soak up the radiation and that will make him stronger. So you have stumbled I on the literally the, literally the only problem I have with this movie oh, is because yeah. now again, so we're all geeks, right? We're willing to suspend disbelief which you mm-hmm. have to in this genre. I think we're all sticklers, though. You must have internal logic. Whatever right. rules you establish for that world, you have to be consistent throughout. And that's where this movie falls down later, is I feel like it's not the sun. There's references to Earth's atmosphere. Also, we'll right? Like, it, yeah. what is, like, that's the that's the part where mm-hmm. I feel like it falls down. And that's where, what I'm saying, Jor-El, and it will become an even bigger problem with Daddy Number 2 when we get to Pakhen. It's just, what? what do you want? What is your motivation? It's like what you seem to want changes from moment to moment. First of, all, first of all, how dare you oh, disrespect we... Jonathan Kent. Bob? <laughs> There's a flag on that play. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Todd, don't you think it would be a slightly tighter film if we did not have another 10 minutes of Krypton after Jor-El dies? You know, mm. where Danny can say, I will find him six times instead of eight. <laughs> I will so Michael Shannon is chewing up the scenery, and I got to tell you, I love it. But here's my I problem. love it. While we're on Michael Shannon. Yeah, so please. Russell Crowe equals British accent. Michael Shannon equals New York accent? Where the fuck well, is he from on Krypton? Krypton has many different regions with many different <laughs> accents. Important to remember that they are all populated only by white people. Oh, oh no. You know, that's – wait. Was, this film does not have a lot of diversity. Perry White accepted Harry, uh, the council. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. And no, Harry, uh, they're all no, white dudes. No non-white Kryptonians portrayed in this film. That's tough. You know, shame mm. on Man of Steel. Fifty years ago, in Batman the movie, we had a person. We of color. had a person of color with a significant interaction. So, so with what you're Batman. saying is Batman is better. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, but, but there are people of color in this film. It's that. It's that interesting thing of like assuming monochromatic and usually white alien worlds. Like, As the advanced remember, civilization. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when people went ape shit over a black Vulcan? Sure. It's just like, guys, guys. Well, are you talking Tuvok? Black I'm talking Tuvok. We ain't found shit. Last thing about Krypton for me, the Krypton explosion was cool because science has come into how these planets explode in these movies. Like, you look at the Death Star. You look at in the original Superman. It's all these sparks and everything. This just explodes and then it's done. Yeah. And then it's just floating there in space. It looked really fucking cool, I thought. But but not before they send off some penis rockets. Oh, yes, the penis rockets. Thank you. Um, the, it's very the, important that we talk about penis We're going rockets, to impregnate right? the rest of the universe. <clears throat> yes. Right? You, the, Todd, Todd, did you see the penis rockets? Oh, yes. The dildos? They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're the dildos that you can stand on a, uh-huh. a, a oh, yeah. table or hard surface. I mean, literally, literally, well, uh, you know, Casey and I were, said earlier it was uh, it's like the reverse of badminton. Yes. There you have a shuttle cock. Oh, cock shuttle! Oh, you did that. The, the studio audience liked that one. When I saw this in the theaters, I just remember leaning over to my buddy and going, "There are penis rockets." What an odd design choice. I, I, would, I think it was a dare. Be like, hey, Bill, let's make these look like penises. I, They'll never yeah. let us do it. That's a callback to my panspermia. That's, <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. I feel like I established sure, that. Yeah. Sure. So but, my last point on Krypton, I will okay. say this. Visually, because this is a movie, right? So visually, mm-hmm. I think that Krypton is stunning. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. There's, there's no bad production design no. on there. Yeah. 
And furthering to establish Jorel as an opposing perspective mm-hmm. on Krypton's decadence and Krypton's folly, Jorel does not escape in a rocket ship. Back to his home, right? Mm-hmm. He escapes on this dragon wing, griffin kind of character. Uh, an organic Haraka. Haraka. Who or- has the best hearing because all these explosions are happening. He's like, Haraka! And he's there. like, okay. Wow. But he is conspicuous in his difference. He is not engaging technology. We see Kelix, the metallic robot servant. Yeah. Yes. But otherwise... Voiced by Carlo Giacchino. The other one is Carlo Giacchino. Oh, she, which one? Which she's one? She's a... Kalor. Kalex is somebody else. No! Kalex is actually, believe it or not, a comic character. He winds up at the Fortress of Solitude in many versions. Oh, is he um, the little little droid thing that, that follows yes. him? Okay. John Byrne did him. Yeah, exactly. He's on Supergirl. He sure is. His counterpart, who is basically Lara's maid-in-waiting, robot maid-in-waiting, uh, is that's Carla Gugino for some reason. Mm, because she, because, Carla because she's in Watchmen. Oh, uh, and she's great in Watchmen. I don't know what yeah, camp you great. sit in, Colin, but... No, no, she's great in Watchmen. So, so, so one last point, then I'll get off Krypton, right? I want to give credit to foreshadowing and setting up a world and setting up a theme. Again, Jor-El is, the, is science as a moral voice. He will contrast... The next time we see this Superman on screen in Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, in which science, as exemplified by Lex Luthor, is the voice of immorality, which which reckless science will end up creating. Uh, I don't think he's ever called Doomsday in the film, but the the creature with, that will kill That's, Superman, right? Yeah, but they have to call him Doomsday because they get sued if they call him Gray Hulk. Right, right, right. Um, or the cave troll. I, they have a cave troll. But think about like how they've set again all of these things. I'm like, fuck. I'll write the Jor El's prequel movie. No, Let yeah. me see that. Like Jor El, what they've done. So, Colin, to your point, the spider who bites Peter Parker. They have just made, mm. in my mind, the most interesting version of Jor El we've ever seen, and that includes Marlon Brando, who envisioned mm. him as a human stalk of broccoli uh, toaster. Oh, I heard. Ba- I heard bagel. Oh, oh, and I heard toaster. Right. See, we all heard something. Yeah. That, hey, pro- well, let's say he said them all. He's rather asleep. Right. Yeah. He can't even pronounce the goddamn planet right. He pronounces it Krypton. not Krypton. <laughs> Krypton. Krip- uh, we're going to go to Krypton. Zod comes back to House L. The House right? of L. Oh, yeah. The, right? the, use, the use of L as if it were a Western a European surname, surname yeah. doesn't jive for me. First of all, they what a great, you know, well, they do at one point say son of L, which, yeah, Jesus time, Jesus time. But because uh, <laughs> L is, of course, one of the Hebrew names of God. Sure. But it doesn't work for me. Like, I've never, ever heard that before. And people calling him Jor. Just to assume that it's such an alien culture would not only have human usage of names, but not even... Even all of humanity does their names that way. Right. Huge spas of humanity do their names in very different ways. But to assume it's like, yeah, well, we basically just use our names the same way you do in France. You know? <laughs> Let's talk about a specific scene. Jor-El versus Zod. When Zod has entered Jor-El's home. When? Are you telling me that's not a great scene? It's a great scene. It's a great why scene. Does, why, why does pacifist 
scientist, philosopher, Jor-El uh, have armor. Well, I don't know that those statements are true. We, we yeah, have no- no, there's nothing that indicates he's a passive. Yes. Okay. I, okay. Right. Well, at least the, the other two. Why does a scientist have now, armor? You know, and I don't have a problem. I mean, I think if you were to portray him as being, I never want to throw the first punch and I want to find all the nonviolent solutions. Mm-hmm. But if I need to, I will use violence. That would be good because that's how Superman's supposed to be. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Not in this movie. Don't but, they allude, no. though, to the idea that so I got the sense and maybe I'm interpreting this wrong I got the sense that Jor-El and Zod had been not just friends but like lovers com- <laughs> no comrades in arms in the, oh yeah in yeah the definitely uh okay so, all right I'll shut up yeah. about it then so yeah. I, I, I get the sense like one took this the warrior route the other took the science route but they both fought for their people well and this is the spoiler alert for Batman 89 spoiler so, alert this is the, the one of the things where like certain action movie conventions again because they don't trust superheroes come in. So Zod can't just be a bad person from Krypton. He has to fight. He has to be the guy who killed his father. He's right. Darth Vader. Oops, that's a spoiler. You know, I mean, they, they make the Joker kill Batman's right. father. You know, you have to have my, my problem there being that anytime you make look. It has to be personal. There have to be personal connections. But the more you emphasize personal connections with Superman, the less you emphasize the care he has for humanity and the fact that he will always try to do the right thing, even if it's for a stranger. Yeah, I'll take that. And I think that is a weak point. I think you're right. I think you're spot on, Colin, that there doesn't have to be this dualism. Like every inflection point creates a good character and a bad character, and they will eventually come back together to fight in a conflict to define who wins, I, right. I think you're right. I think that's that is a weak spot, and it, it's in the same camp as Hollywood's over reliance on the origin story. Move past it. Allow them to yeah. have conflict without this kind of like um, Genesis level yeah. separation, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I, there there is a version of this script on somebody's hard drive in which Zod is Magneto from the X Men films, where he, in which he is a sympathetic and understandable yet ultimately bad person, and it because a it simple fix is him not through. killing Jarrell. It keeps coming through where he's like, I'm just trying to protect my people, da 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 and then he just is a raving genocidal maniac. Like, in, in the same scene, line by line, it kind of switches back and forth. Yeah. Well, that's also Michael Shannon's a little cuckoo pants. This is a very restrained Michael Shannon performance compared to Bug. But, uh, oh, Bug. You got to bring know, Bug into this? Always. Um, he's <laughs> great. I mean, Michael Shannon is great, and he's a terrific, you know, he so clearly does not get any of this shit, but he's like, I'm just going to do my Michael Shannon thing. Yeah. I'm going to be. I, I revel in the earthiness. Again, like, I, I feel like he brings this grounding yeah. into the, the same way that Henry Campbell does, the same way that Russell Crowe does. Like, from the moment we see the Krypton, I love this world. Like, I'm enchanted. Well, then in a way you'll I watch not. Krypton, the TV series, is what I'm getting well, from this. I mean, I have I I obviously tipped my hand on my thoughts of this film, but I will say this. They spared no expense on the casting. Yes. I mean, it yes. is such a deep deep bench of great character actors you know i mean and i would be watching it for the first time since seeing it in the theaters i was like all right yeah harry lennox oh hey richard chip right oh god chris maloney's in this you know i just kept forgetting and chris maloney this is the movie that he did after he left law and order svu i'm like this is the one he this is it interesting Okay, buddy. <laughs> That's not the property I think of for Christopher Maloney. You know, I know. I kept waiting for him to hump a fridge. Yes. Well, uh, Wait, hang hump, on. hump a white 
Hump a white male fridge. What the yeah. fuck are we talking about? Oz. Oh, that Oz. Yes, yes, yes. I was thinking of uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, oh yes. Oh, it's, okay. yep. Todd has never seen Wet Hot American Summer. It, yeah. Oh, let's rectify immediately. Yes. Okay. Um, we got to get on no, that. Um, no, Casey, he left because this film bought him a house, probably. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> He's so good. And we'll get there. Let's, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But anyway, so, but they, the casting is solid. Rock solid all the way through. Absolutely. I have one question on Krypton, and then I'm done. But anyone else? Anyone? I'm done. <laughs> Okay, so Zod and his minions, they've attempted a coup on Krypton. The council, in the most extreme version of fuck you, we're dying, but we're still going to sentence you to 300 cycles of somatic reconditioning. Which kind of is a bonus for them. They're going to live, but they're going to live past the planet exploding. Zod said, you won't kill us yourself. You wouldn't sully your hands, but you'll damn us to a black hole for eternity. Now, right. we know it's a phantom zone, but I, I was like, oh, that's Well, right. Just- and this is my problem when you try to get too grounded, is that there is somebody making an argument in a room, an argument that does not fly, that 300 cycles of somatic reconditioning sounds less silly than phantom zone. Oh, Wrong. Okay. Oh, that's okay. Fair point. Okay. You know what I mean? Just phantom zone. The Kay- one thing Casey, I love, how would- I do love the, I love the bold smash cut out of Krypton. Oh, and yeah. that's this is where it's going to get hard because even with us bouncing around not doing a book report, this movie time jumps back and forth so many times yeah. because it's trying to be Batman Begins um, that it's really <laughs> yeah. hard to tell this story. So we didn't talk a lot I, about production, but Christopher Nolan's a producer in this. He's a producer, yeah, but I think this is David S. Gorier and Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers being like, we got to make it like the Dark Knight. I, I do think there's some of that. I also think there's probably again. I think there's a. You feel so many conflicting voices in this script, that and this film. I think mm-hmm. there were probably people going, guys, we don't need an origin story, and other people going, we need an origin story. So we get an origin story, but only in flashback. So I oh, think God that you know everything I've read as a is about as far of an outsider of Hollywood as Syracuse is. <laughs> you know everything I've read about the the, the fatal flaw in the DC movies is that they do not have the Kevin Feige with a vision yeah. of a through line. We, they do, right? they, and this was a super rushed they, production. They, they, agreed. They, they shot this thing fast. Sure. Jeff Johns is kind of okay. filling that role. Sure, sure, but... Yeah, the only problem is it's Jeff Johns. That's the problem. Ooh, are you not in a Jeff Johns camp? <laughs> he fixed the Flash and Green Lantern. Fixed? Yeah, I think I so. So we keep reading reports <laughs> of, of DC... Not Jeff Johns, not X person, but DC, the studio. Well, that would be Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, the studio, yeah. right? Ordering changes, reshoots, whatever. So as someone who aspires to creative work, I am very skeptical of the idea that you can do creative work that is excellent by committee. And I feel like Agreed. when the decision and the voice starts to diffuse through this broad audience of every person with a producer credit gets to say... Right. Then you end up with like the lowest common denominator of what's interesting. You end up with this kind of weak pablum of of like who cares? Right. And yeah. I th- you're saying it's not a cheerocracy. Let's get one thing straight. This is not a cheerocracy. I am the cheer tater. I make the cheer decisions around here, and I will deal with the cheer consequences. It's why there's no trunks. It's why it's why Suicide Squad is the way it is. Casey, that's a spoiler. Thank you, Bob. 
There's way too much interference from the studio with that movie. It's why all sorts of annoying things. It's why Krypton is all white. It's why both sets of parents and the third, if you think of Zod and Feora as his dark evil parents, have a 20 year age gap between the man and the woman. It's, you know, it's sort Ooh, of cliche shit. Hollywood nonsense. Yeah, you did. Russell Crowe is a lot older than that woman playing Lara. And yeah, I and, caught that. But I didn't think about the fact that Diane Lane and Kevin Costner are so much age difference. Right. Because you only see Costner in flashback and you only and then when Diane Lane is aged, everything's up present, so washed out like, in those muted colors. Well, yeah, how do you I, tell? <laughs> it's very difficult to tell. Yeah. I'm it's just staring even. at how pretty Diane Lane is. So I get oh, distracted by her. Martha. Why did you say Hang on, let's pause for a second. Colin, do you get the joke we're doing there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I, I know you haven't seen the movie. I just wanted to make sure. I'm totally spoiled on that movie, yeah. <laughs> I've even seen the meme about Aqua Martha. Um, oh, well played, Colin. You got your brother. Well played. God um, damn it. I did think as I watched it again, I, when they did that hard smash cut to um, the the fishing boat i was like oh good they're getting to the meat of it now i i love the middle third of the donner film it's probably the best part of the movie but just you do not need to do this especially given that their telling of his youth is the toughest part of the film for me i'm glad they kind of broke it up throughout so you know i think you're spot on so we first see a i refer to him as clark throughout because i feel like that he's clark identity, at this point yeah right but we see this heroic Clark entering the control room, you know, ripping the door open to rescue men on a burning oil rig in the middle of the ocean. So they have clearly taken shelter in place. In this control room, the, the, the door is literally ripped off the hinges and literally on fire is this bearded, hairy chest, earthy Superman. And two things about yeah. that. Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill pushed for him to have a hairy chest based I off the nineties Jan Jurgens. Yeah, uh, Jan Jurgens look. Yeah. I, and I was so happy. I'm like, chest hair, hooray. Yet yet another point well, in, in grounding this on, character. You know, the usual permutations of human male biology. Chris Evans looks awesome as Cap. But there's no way a dude in 1942 waxed his chest. That's true. First of all, Colin, how dare you? A little, <laughs> a little respect for the living legend, Sentinel Freedom. You could fry an egg on that thing when That's, he comes out of Sheen in the first movie. So Ooh. this is not the the most homoerotic podcast we've ever had. No, nope. no, that but, still goes to Captain it America. Still goes to Captain America. Same character, oddly. Huh. I, I don't want to examine that. Interesting. Move it along, guys. So they have attacked what, for me, is the weakest spot in, in Superman as a character, right? He's this sterile god creature, mm -hmm. and they give him a beard and a hairy chest. I'm like, he's a guy. This movie makes him more of a man than I've ever seen in any portrayal of Superman. But to See, go back... Now, it's interesting, because you, you you mentioned that you do, you've do you read uh, Burns' Man of Steel, right? Love them, yes. Are and you talking that, about the clean... And that's... Right, well, I'm talking about the, the way that, the way it ends. The, it's only the last of the six issues in which he finds out what Krypton is, who Jor-El is, any sure. of that. And he learns it, and he says, I'm glad to know it, but I'm Clark Kent, a guy from Kansas. Which, yeah. and throughout my notes, and, I'm, I'm like, I keep referring to Clark because I feel like, although he gets short shrift, you know, screen time, I feel like they've defined him. And if if we look ahead to BVS, what I love the most about it, I love Cavill as Superman because I feel like he has made him more human than I'm yeah, how accustomed is his to. Clark Kent, the disguise, because, you know, no, what? it's great. Well, you see in the end of this it's film. It's not in this movie, basically. Well, at, oh. the, at the very end. I mean, I don't know if anybody will ever do it 
good as well as, as good. Chris Reeves. Well, Chris Reeves, perfect. Wait, wait. I will give you Christopher Reeves looks like this omnipotent, right? We'll quibble over degrees, but he looks like this omnipotent, perfect being. Uh-huh. Right? The lock of his hair falls just so. I'll give you all of that. But in terms of Superman as this living and breathing organism, even if he doesn't need to, but the appearance that he does, I'm telling you, I will forever appreciate Christopher Reeve as the iconic Superman. Sure. Well, no, I just mean there's a moment in the first film where he uh, when he goes to pick up as Clark goes to pick up Lois for dinner and she goes to go get something from the other room and he takes off his glasses. He's going to tell her he's Superman and then he decides against it. And I just did it here. He rises (laughs) and shrinks and it is a masterclass in physical act. You go, oh, yeah, you might not know it's the same person. It's not just glasses. It's physical. Yeah, I don't. We'll get to that. I I don't dispute those. Yeah. The thing is, he's not in this film. Cavill is not called on to do any of that. Basically, correct. Clark he is just Clark Superman. Superman. But see, that's what that's when I am most interested in Superman is when he's is when he's Clark. And I, yeah, I, but I'm, is he ever in this? Well, he's. I would say he's Clark, not defined by what he's wearing. So even right. he's, well, he's Smallville Clark, and then Metropolis Clark. He's almost never Metropolis Clark. He's just Smallville Clark. Yeah, correct. Even, who is the real person who's somewhere in between those two versions? Well, I'm of the opinion that he is Clark when he, you know, way spoiler, jumping to the end, but again. Spoiler alert. Even at the end, when he snaps Zod's neck, that is Clark acting. Like, I. Yeah. I, this is Clark Kent's movie, which I love. Now, can you see the transition in BVS? I could probably be talked into that. In in BVS, we see Superman. Like, the weight of who he is descends on him. But in this movie, man, I got to tell you, I love Henry Cavill as I think he's. Clark I think he's Superman. very good, yeah. I just, we'll I just, get to it later, the scene where I went, oh, he could have been great. Okay. I mean, he looks amazing. And props to the film for giving the female slash gay male gays equal. I mean, that is definitely a thing that modern superhero movies do better is that, you know, if if looking at attractive buff dudes is your thing for whatever permutation like, of sexuality like Todd's you wife. We'll get to Thor. We'll get to Thor. It's there for you. Yeah, you got your Chris's. Now, when that dude is picking on him in the bar and look, Far be it for me to ever try to suggest that a day player on a film shouldn't have gotten hired. Good for him. I'm glad he got it. But that guy is picking on him when he's working in the bar. Yeah. He's like he's like a foot taller than you. <laughs> you know, to be fair, so I know this because of a short film that Casey shared with me. Colin, you are not a small in stature person, correct? <laughs> no, no. I'm about six foot three. Right. Okay. So you have that piece. I am not. I'm well <laughs> in the fives. <laughs> But that's a fair point. Like the physical, but but again, I mean, but, but, look, that, but even jumping to I'm that, in decent shape. But Henry Cavill is built like a pair of brick shit houses. I, mean, I, I wrote for great. that scene when he's trying to find clothes after saving everybody on the ship. I wrote Beefcake Superman. I, that dude well, is so he's, fucking he's ripped. Lucky, he's lucky he managed to steal clothes from the local bodybuilding champion. Right. <laughs> My note, holy shit, is Cavill jacked. Yeah, he's... <laughs> but, but that was the moment when in the theater I went, oh, cool, he's got, he's got hair on his chest. Yeah. Yeah. That too, yeah. That was the hair on the chest. <laughs> How about... Uh, did you like the Bruce Banner, the ragged pants? When he uh, was, was hitchhiking, post- I was waiting for the Incredible the, Hulk music the to piano start playing. Music. 
should drop that in. That's good. Yeah. My own quibble. I love that whole sequence on the fishing boat, and I and I'm yeah. fine with all the finding himself hobo Superman thread. <laughs> but I just wish he was twenty, not yeah. thirty. Yeah, I that's wish, fair. I wish he'd gotten shit together a little earlier. Wait, well, in the fishing and everything, does that lead up to him no. being twenty? Yeah, yeah. Or, or is he? He says he's thirty three. When he's talking with Lois, yes. Does he? Oh, I missed that. Yeah. No, no. Oh, oh, with the priest. No, not the priest. I'm sorry. I was just thinking of a different Jesus part of the film. Uh, There's (laughs) there's so many to choose from. He says he's 33. uh, He says, General, I've lived here for 33 years. I'm about as American as he gets. You know, like. Or something like that. He definitely name drops that. But my feeling of the film is that from Mopey Fisherman through the end of the film, it can't be more than a couple of weeks. Oh, see, I disagree. I think uh, Jonathan dies in the tornado. Casey. We'll get there. And then he leaves. During which he's like college age. He's like 18, 19. Right. But then like, so when he's on the fishing boat, I think that's like 25. And then he ends up as working. Working at, at the uh, at the at the place in Antarctica. Which did you catch his fake name when no. he's working at the Antarctica station? Let's try that again. Excuse me, he's in Canada. I We're back in was, Canada. I thought that was in Antarctica as well. No, because he takes the ship and takes it to Antarctica. Oh, it Joe, it's Joe. Is that for Joe Schuster? Oh, quite possibly. That's oh, what I wrote. I'm like, oh, is it Joe for that? Or because it's the first common American male name they thought of. But one of the two. Uh, can we go with the second? Yeah, can we give some yeah. props to this movie yeah. for that? Please. Um, see, in that case, he should have, instead of Greenhorn, been called Jerry on the ship. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> that would have been so fucking cool. But in, I would prefer that he just become Superman before 33. Um, That's fair. That's fair. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you on that. Superboy, and there are, if you'd like to explore the internet, legal reasons he is not. Um, there's is a this, lot of copyright stuff that goes with Is this similar to, so Marvel has a terrible track record of selling off bits and pieces of characters. Is this similar to Marvel's history? You no, can have- it's, it's, it's Siegel and Schuster sued for the rights Superboy, uh, which was created after Superman, and they managed to convince a court that it was a distinct legal property because <laughs> and was created under a different contract. It's why you will never probably ever see a DC comic publish Superboy, the adventures of young Clark Kent in the past in Smallville. You'll see his son in Superboy. You'll see a clone in Superboy. But you can't do that without basically the character being owned right, by the Seagulls. So, interesting. Yeah. So well, the whole listen, Seagulls and Schuster got fucked really hard by DC Comics. As well, every comic creator has. Every comic creator ever, Reed Cavalier and Clay, With for ex- many reasons, yes. one of them. With mm-hmm. the exception of Stan Lee, who is arguably not even the creator. Of a times, lot of, of those properties. Of yeah, he just well, put his name on it. Many people would argue was doing the fucking. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he was the dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. speaking of which, so on the, uh, the bus torment goes in the water scene. Did you oh, catch the geez. insult that Pete Gave to Clark. No. Dick splash. I don't oh, even know what okay. that means. Oh. What does dick splash mean? It's come. Right, so is it t- it's it's t- come, <laughs> Casey. Come. <laughs> is it, <laughs> it, oh, if you happen to be well endowed, it's when you drop it into the water as you're standing. <laughs> so was he just complimenting like, oh, Clark? He's like, hey, Clark, I saw you in gym today. Dick, dick splash. splash. Bounce. Bounce. Wow. 
All right. So you brought up the bus. So I think it's it's time to talk about it. A, it always makes me think of season two of Veronica Mars. B. Ooh. Oh, Aubrey, my wife, big fan of Veronica Mars. She mm-hmm. will so. perk up at that. B, it, this is where our real troubles begin um, yeah. for me. I mean, I, because, I'm a, no, I'm with you on this. I mean, everything about the sequence of rescuing it is great. It's amazing. It's exactly what I want. I mean, it is exactly what I want. He People are terrible to him. Now, I don't know why everybody is so terrible to him. It seems a little forced. You know, it just seems like <laughs> this film doesn't really like um, humans. Is this film wrong? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, no, but I think Superman should show us the better side of humanity. Okay, more often, that's fair. Yep. You know, um, but the the sequence is great. My problem is afterwards when Pa Kent says, maybe you probably should let those kids drown. So, oh, I have a big problem with maybe. With him saying maybe to that question. What was I supposed to do? Just let him die? Maybe. Ooh, that's not Jonathan Kent. So here's no, yeah. so I <laughs> I feel like I'm the vo- I feel like I'm the the loyal uh, opposition. Out, yeah. yeah, flat out. I love Kevin Costner. Oh, Kevin Costner's great in this Kevin. movie. I, I, Colin, I don't know if you agree yeah, with that. It's but- the right. Costner's great. It's the writing. Yes. So it's a tough question. And that question, should he have let the kids die? The answer being maybe, it is certainly more nuanced and complex than the historical... I mean, look, one of Superman's nicknames, pejorative usually, is the Big Blue Boy Scout. That's not a a term of admiration, right? Like, he is often... So you referenced D&D earlier. Yeah. He's kind of the paladin, the lawful good, lawful yeah. stupid version. So, so me, that's nuance, but way. I don't know what the answer is. As a person who, who said you, that generally you don't prefer Superman mm-hmm. and does like Captain America, should Captain America, at the end of First Avenger and, and many other retellings of it, let that ship bomb New York so he could have that no. dance with Peggy? And the difference is, and, and here's the difference. First of all, first of, first of all, Colin, Colin you're how not dare here, you? You're not here, but you just missed Todd like adjust and shift in his chair sixteen uh, different. Where's ways. my fucking shield? That's no, what I. That's what I just looked at for. Easy guys. But that's the thing. They're this, they're very similar characters in that they are the people who will always find a way and always do the right they thing are, and who self-sacrifice before anything else. Correct. There is a and, there is a significant and impossible to overlook difference though. Mm-hmm. The difference being and now I don't acknowledge Ultimate's Captain America who has superhuman yeah, yeah. strength. For me, the defining Captain America is he is squarely human. There is nothing super heroic about him. He I is believe the your pinnacle, words were the pinnacle. He of, is the pinnacle of human perfection. Right. Casey's heard me <laughs> once, twice, or a thousand times in bars. Oh. <laughs> Captain America is squarely the pinnacle of human perfection. He is all that we can aspire to be, but nothing more. But wait, it, now, it, did you say that that counts for the MCU version? Because he holds two helicopters in play. Uh, helicopter. Nerd fight. Listen, I I, uh, I take that as I take that as as hero as as uh, adrenaline pump. Adrenaline have a really, pump. Yeah, really sore back yeah. later that day. Because I think that if you make Captain America superhuman, I think it takes away from the core of. I think you're right. That is a difference in the in, but for me, that becomes just a difference of scale. And to me, the interesting way to tell Superman uh-huh. stories is he always does want to do the right thing in a world that makes that very that sometimes that isn't the easy way. So, I so can't, it's hard to do it the right way. I can't wait to hear then at the end of this movie. Careful, fellas. Spoiler territory. 
Thanks, hey, Bob. Hey, thank you, Bob. But you have perfectly defined, and I think that what Zack Snyder does at the end of the movie is very good. He distills it down to a single yeah. binary choice. Right. I know how your brother falls on this one. I'm interested to see yours. For the Pa Kent's whole, should you save him, should you not? It's just the prime problem is, is that it seems confused, and it seems confused on a script level, not a Pa Kent is conflicted is it, level. Is it possible oh, that Pa true. Kent is human, though, and doesn't know? Because he doesn't say, you should have let him die. Then, he said maybe. Like, and then I he don't gives know. some sort of huge thing about it, yeah. I feel like there's so much in this movie of like, you should, don't, keep it hidden, do nothing, keep it hidden. And then turning around and be like, you are born for something incredible. You're going to change the world. So that's How? The thing. He keeps it hidden. I just, yeah. you know, it's just, it feels like two drafts of a script. He says, An, until the right moment. Uh, so he keeps true. alluding to there's a time when you will know. I think Jonathan he's, Kent says, I don't know what act. it is, but you will know that moment in which you must cast aside the constraints that you've grown with and become right. more than that. Okay. You yeah. will know. It will be the moment when everybody runs out of popcorn and goes, man, I could pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so. Yeah, that was good. Comment. Let's not gloss over. There's some great lines in here. Well, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. No. He then shows Clark the ship and tells him all that. And the, the best line in the movie? Uh, yep. The yep. best line in the movie is, Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. Oh, the it's onions. great. The onions. Who's chopping, Who's chopping onions? onions in God this theater? Oh, Why is it so dusty? Um, no, <laughs> it's a great moment. No, no. I mean. And and Kevin the, Costner sells the shit out of it. He's you, so good. Tell me who makes a better Jonathan Kent with this script than Kevin Costner. Nobody. The answer is no one. So you went right to the best line. This is almost the best line in the movie. Go ahead. But I can fix this in post. Right. But the second best line in this movie. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to Are We Alone in the Universe? Oh, yeah. That it's is not good... the best line. The best line is, You, you are, are my, my son. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's a good line, but it is symptomatic of it being an alien invasion movie more oh. than a superhero movie. The defining thing you think about when you think about Superman, isn't it like the third or fourth when you go, Oh, right, and he's an alien? Yeah. I would say mm. that it's the second best line because of how Kevin Costner plays it. Yeah. It is elevated by how. Kevin Costner just, you know, farm boy you, from Kansas. Re, well, oh, yeah. is this Smallville, Kansas? Yes, he says. Oh, Kansas. he is. I, I, this isn't like Smallville, the Actually, TV I show. Think, I don't think Smallville's ever said. Smallville is never said. It's just Metropolis on the water tower. is said. Yeah. Oh, I missed the water tower. It's in the water tower okay. in, the, in the fight that uh, we'll get to. Uh, so we're back in Canada. So in the Donner films, Superman has the key to what will unlock his legacy. Mm-hmm. The green crystal sure. right. shard, which is this again, crystalline, translucent, right? It's not Ruby Quartz. It's it's not you, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to episode three. But uh in this film, again, opposite of that, it is a dark, it's metal, not crystal. Yeah. He is an earthier Superman than we've ever seen, and his key is representative of it's I like, Superman. I but darker. I love the thread all the way through it. Sure. 100%. So, okay, so we're back in the bar that you were talking about earlier, Colin. Mm. Um, yes. And my problem with that scene is he pours a fucking drink on, on Clark's head. Why is that guy Ludlow? Why is he not thrown out of the bar at that point? That is a throw out offense. I'll tell you why. So they are in. So he can. They're in the remote. A, sh- a shitty bar. Right. They're right. They're in the remote. I'm guessing. So they're in the same place. They are the next bar over from where the Wolverine was fighting in the cage match. Laughlin exactly. City. Okay. And, right. Whatever you do, don't hit him in the balls. 
So they are in this like desolate wasteland. But still, so they're rules are rules, man. That's bull. The the bar's lifeline is truckers. So they're not fucking with truckers. Yeah, yeah. It's almost a callback to the scene in Superman. Oh, it's totally a callback. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. There's a dickhead trucker. You know, I like the Donner films better, but they're not perfect. They make to me the same mistake, which they let Superman get revenge. Yeah, I don't like that at the end of at at the end of two. I love. I'm not a fan of that. But again, he, but it he, wasn't Superman. That was Clark. No, that's, Clark well, well, but still, he still gets revenge using his superpowers. That, but what I'm saying is, but and where Clark, get, well, Clark is a guy. For, that's Clark for is a Superman guy. too. Right, but yeah, yeah. where the fuck did a reporter at the Daily Planet whoa, get the money? Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> There's a flag on my play. Again, I you know I would argue you know with a beer in hand as I often <laughs> do that you know we don't see a whole lot of superman in this movie because it's really clark yeah. when he's wearing a costume yeah. it takes that us clark. an hour and 8 minutes to actually see him in the suit which again I think they're taking from um that yeah, begins and just because no, he's but wearing also the donner takes that long too does, does it really, really take an hour for us to see him absolutely. in the suit absolutely but again even though he's wearing the suit doesn't mean he's Superman. And again, I would, he's I not would suggest that, right, that he is yeah. Clark through this. So now we're in Canada. At, we flash forward to uh, Lois getting off the helicopter, Christopher Maloney's character. Uh, is that a character from the comics, Colin, that's important? Uh, no, no. And funny, it's funny. None of these military figures uh, are – Emil Hamilton, Richard Schiff's character, is. He a, is. Right. Longest of but uh, General Swanwick, Colonel Hardy, those are all, you know, I think as far as I can tell, nobody, which is funny because there is a really solid character sitting right there, which is General Sam Lane. Right. But that would have been weird to make Lois's dad the one doing all this. I actually wonder if he if Harry Lennox's character might have been in a draft and they liked Harry Lennox and said it's more important we have Harry Lennox than make. Harry you know. Lennox is good at playing the dickhead. Who is military. Harry Lennox? He's the, uh, the guy at the end. Are you are you effing stupid? That's a ten million dollar drone. He's also oh, the, the General Swanwick. General Swanwick. Thank you. I like him. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's a he's a terrific terrific actor. He was on um, Dollhouse. He was in Titus. He's he a, plays the authority. The he was in yeah. the Matrix. Yes. Yeah, that's it's a, right. He's a great British actor. Yeah. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! He's British. He's British. That American accent is fucking really phenomenal, good. then. You know, solid. Casey, I, I hate to finger wag. You glossed right over the first appearance of a significant character here. Lois Lane gets off the helicopter. Let's okay, Amy, a- Amy Adams as well, Lois Lane. Probably because I think she's wasted in this movie. <gasps> Casey. So I think earlier to the question of Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent, is it script or portrayal? So that's wasting the movie means script. I think Amy Adams is in that camp of actors that's really good when she has a solid director directing her. I think oh, I, feel like, I feel like we're going to get letters. Tony. I think that Lois is not treated they don't do the stupid, oh, there's a terrible thing happening in the city. Oh, where did Clark go? Oh, there's Superman. I've always hated that. She's okay. a, she's a well, Pulitzer Prize yeah. winning reporter. Why does she not a thing, know? A that, thing she says out loud. Oh, yeah, she does. Yeah. I mean, people don't go, I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. You know what I mean? It's just so ham-fisted. Oh, wait, wait. Well, was wait, it ham-fisted wait, or was it, it, was it dick-swinging? Mm, no, it was ham-fisted. When we... Win a Pulitzer for this podcast, I will be fucking swinging that from my cock every day. Wait, do they give yeah. Pulitzers for podcasts? Yeah, I don't they, think so, buddy. They will, they will do when they we... They will. They, they will, will when they hear by this. By the time... Yeah, yes! Right. 
That's right. I, the only other thing I have about the beginning of the scene is that the, did you recognize the guy that gets her off the helicopter? No. He's from Battlestar okay. Galactica. I never watched. Yeah, yeah. Whoa! You've never seen Battlestar nope. Galactica? Todd, we're starting a podcast on this network that we're creating right now because we're having you, a second podcast. Sure. In and our we're Geek watching Empire. Battlestar Galactica because it's fucking awesome. Best TV series about the Iraq War. <laughs> well, well played. I am a huge fan yeah, of I mean, Katie really Sackhoff. Mm, I yeah, would have great. loved her as Captain Marvel. I mean, yeah, I, that's who I wanted for the longest yeah. time, yeah. You and the internet both. Yeah, um, that's right. When Clark is drilling the hole in the ice to get to the, the spaceship, at the end there, he finishes drilling with his heat vision, and then he kind of shakes his head. Does the heat vision hurt like when Wolverine pops his yeah, claws? Every time. Every time. Move it along, guys. Yeah, because when Zod experiences it, it hurts for the first time. It, it hurts time. for the first time. So I feel like it's it's got to be an. So every time he does his heat vision in this universe, it hurts him. Nah, I don't buy it. No, I but just, but you noticed that, right, Colin? I did notice it. Yeah, I think I think they were just trying to convey. Oh, it's kind of weird to do heat vision. I have don't do it that often, you know. Or could it be the I mean, the length that he did about, it? Well, that and if you think about it, like if you're wandering around being hobo fisherman, like that's not <laughs> the one you're going to use a lot. Right. I guess it would be a good way to cook fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Greenhorn, how do you make this fish so, this so nice? And <laughs> it's a family secret. Clearly, he's not using it because one of the John Byrne things established was that he uses the heat vision to shave so that's right using a piece of the shuttle I, that he I, you know i had the thought and i didn't share but when you talked about superman drilling through the ice i'm like if this was the kevin smith script he'd be drilling with his dick <laughs> right and that is question and i wonder answer if this was the biggest movie in the history of film and we want everything we have we get a jor-el prequel we get Jor-El and Zod versus the, the forces of the jungle planets, right? Like, we had all these things. So Clark enters the scout ship, which right. has been in place 20,000 years. Mm-hmm. That's the ice that it's in. He goes, so he's, he's wandering through. We get the mummified body in one of the pods. Right. Like, oh, it's been here a long time. The next pod he goes to is open and empty. I read about that. So that second pod yep. was supposed to be Supergirl. Okay. But it was abandoned uh, in the script. So uh, so is there a Kryptonian who leaves the ship, experiences the pain of adjustment to Earth's atmosphere or whatever mm-hmm. magic is in our place here to make him a god? So is there a 20,000-year-old god? First of all, is he still alive? Well, how is there, Kryptonians a, is there an age, ancient yeah. Kryptonian walking the Earth? Right. Who's the bad guy in Something of Tomorrow? The the the, the shitty Le- Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage. Oh, is that yeah. a retcon? First of all, of Vandal Savage. Shitty. How dare you? It's the most well, delightful look, show on TV. Any, and not when Vandal Savage was on it. it no, it was pretty. Well, it's pretty awful. But it's like, gotten much better. But now it's great. <laughs> but okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so that was supposed to. That was an out to a link. But right. I I felt like if you don't keep that, then don't show the shot of the empty pod. Show the shot when he finds the mummified. I agree. Yeah, it's a it's a wasted shot. I was like, oh my god, there's a Kryptonian who is a god on Earth somewhere, and I'm assuming now, is still alive. This whole sequence where they use moving Soviet wall sculptures to tell the history of Krypton, <laughs> uh, they write them, it looks so like Soviet it does. realism. Right? Yeah, I just wanted like. Uh, 
I, this definitely kind of undercuts the idea that it was a conscious choice. The monochromatic design of Krypton was supposed to show its decline because 20,000 years ago they hadn't oh. discovered the green. The the space exploring, that whole thing that you were just talking about with the Russian statues, was that a way again to make it so that there might be more Kryptonians in this universe, like the Eradicator or any of those characters? Monel, yeah, Mon-El, any of those. Oh, I, so that's a great callback though to that visual iconography of the Soviet mm-hmm. heroic yeah. statues. That is reinforcing the idea that Krypton was a decadent culture so that's a callback to they were not utopia krypton had its chance yes they are a dystopia they had their time we are better for their loss but then why do we care about the codex i don't care about the codex at all in this movie i'm gonna put it right out there right now it's the stupidest thing and to show my hand and i'll cut it out and put it at later that is a thing i would cut from this entire film the codex makes no fucking sense you I, first of all i think you leave it right here because it's organic to the conversation <laughs> so that's the question of nature versus nurture so Correct. clearly the kryptonian right. culture was decadent and deserved to perish but the yes. codex represents nature represents the potential of our genetics and what do we become okay but it just it's fuck it it doesn't okay. need to be in okay. this movie all right So we jump to Metropolis at the Daily Planet, and we see Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. Morpheus himself. Morpheus himself flying in the face of the traditional white Perry White. But again... Which I don't don't recall people having a particular issue with that. No. I mean... This is one of the times that... Compared to your Tuvox and your... uh, you know, Heimdall, uh, sure. Heimdall, and all, and I, I'm sure can't I can't wait to mm. see what they say about Tessa Thompson and the new Thor. But ugh. yeah, but we've broken that threshold with Thor because Heimdall, a Norse god, is black, right. right? So he's a he's a Viking god, Norse god. He should be white. Well, but one further, people had a problem with there being a black person in Star Wars in A Force Awakens. Also, a space Vikings. B <laughs> Heimdall is not an actual character from. No, he is. No, he is. Oh, no. Oh, no, he is. Geek fight. Oh, he is. Oh, boy. I'm going to let you guys hash this out. I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking of a different one of their okay, Man of Space okay, Vikings. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, got it. They're quite, but no, I'm, look, Fishburne's great. I mean, he, yeah. he is. You know, Colin, you said earlier they spared no expense in the casting. Oh, like, there's absolutely. not. So you can, I think you can correctly point fingers at the script, mm-hmm. right? Like, but how do you point yeah, a finger at anyone cast no in this film? There's no way you get Lawrence Fishburne for under five mil. For for what four or five scenes, you know, some of which are some I, action scenes. Yeah, my only issue with Perry in this is we only care about Perry White because it's Perry White, an established Superman character. Sure, but he never actually meets our protagonist till the last scene. That's so, true. Spoiler alert for all this, mm-hmm. you know, stuff along the way where he is our POV character for physical danger in the Battle of Metropolis. Right. I'm yeah. sort of like, why do we care? He's our protagonist's semi love interest boss. And and he's, but he's <laughs> arguably better developed than Jimmy Olsen, who, who is given even less attention. Oh, wait, do you think? Jean, no, there is. Think Janie is, nope. is Jimmy? Nope, she's no. not because you haven't seen it, Colin. Wait. Jimmy Olsen know, is I in BVS. For a joke in, in, in the guy, the yeah. reporter that gets shot in the head in Egypt. Oh, that's Jimmy shit. Olsen. And I'll yep. say it now: yep. that right. originally was supposed to be the Eisenberg, but and it was supposed to be like, look, this big name actor is playing Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> He's dead. dead. And it was supposed to be so shocking. The strong rumor is that originally 
Brian Cranston was supposed to play Lex Luthor. Oh, no, no. Brian Cranston was supposed to play Lex Luthor. Instead, he played the talking head in the Power Rangers movie. But no, 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 no. why couldn't he have done both? Look, I get <sighs> when I finally watch Batman vs. Superman, we'll talk about how there's never <laughs> been a real Lex Luthor on film. Well, our, well Brian our, Cranston could have been it. But, but here's the thing Jesse Eisenberg, and I've argued this with many people, is Lex Luthor Jr. So I've heard you make this point. So in it's our, not going to be the Lex right. Luthor that we know. It, so, uh, good callback again. This podcast is merely picking up where we have been years and years in bars. Oh, so, so many conversations. I have heard this, but I look forward to you, the listener, hearing this. Yeah. What I like about Fishburne is, you know, Perry White's um, irascibility is sort of his defining characteristic. And Fishburne is just a good enough actor and uh, been at this since what? He was 16 on that PT boat in uh, Apocalypse Now. And Oh, my uh, God. I forgot he was in Apocalypse Now. I I thought you were just going to say Curtis the Cowboy. No, he's credited as Larry Fishburne. Um, in in, uh, in Pee Wee's Playhouse, too. Yeah, Larry Fishburne. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have to oversell it or, you know, he's just, he has genuine authority. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a guy who runs a metropolitan newspaper. But uh, actors with gravitas, right? Oh, 100%. Right? So you've, Russell Crowe has it. Whether he has it in every role, set that aside. In this movie, Jor-El has gravitas. Yep. Jonathan yep. Kent has gravitas. Absolutely. Perry White. Richard Schiff. Christopher Maloney. I mean, they're great. It's it's a terrific shorthand to have when your script Swanwick, is a little yeah, Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, look, if you can go buy the best talent, let's be honest, it covers. I believe it was said yeah. best by Hammond in Jurassic Park. Really spectacular. Spared no expense. This movie looks beautiful. Sepia tones aside, yep. the special effects, even though this movie is only four years old, oh, you look at wait. movies from four years ago that had these kind of special effects, they don't hold up. Everything still holds up in this film. Let's, There's not a moment where I'm like, kind of showing the pixels there. Uh, so there's one moment around this point that I wanted to talk about. It's the scene in the bar where she talks to her blogger friend. Uh, yes. She leaks after. Yes. Her. So, A, you, I assume you both caught the name of the blogger. Woodward, uh, right. Woodward. Famously. Woodburn. Woodburn, Woodburn right. Funny portmanteau. Yeah. Woodward, Woodward and Bernstein. I oh, I I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Colin. Yes, you. That was the point you were going towards. I- it's this moment where they're trying to establish the burgeoning love story, which they kind of half earn, but you know, whatever. But I have a problem with one part of it. But go ahead. The kissing over the dead bodies. Careful, fellas. Spoiler territory. Oh, uh, so gross. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly it. I'm like, this is not the time to be smooching. Is it time and a place for everything? Um, that but did. <laughs> but but she you know she clearly exhibits this interest in him that is more than merely professional and she does it when she's talking to Woodburn and then it cuts back to again this poor day player who gets cut back to for just a hair longer than he probably needs to be and I swear to God that actor's subtext is oh, I am never going to sleep with Lois Lane <laughs> <laughs> he was holding out that last shred of hope like oh man. He is so squarely in the friend zone. He's like, yes, I will put your story on my blog. So now we cut back to back into the ship. Yes, I got some questions. I think we have the same question. And we've already kind of addressed it, but let's spend a moment on it. How is the suit colored when everything else we have seen, including everything on the ship, is black is sepia tone and all of a sudden it's just like there's some bron- there's some bronze and also some dark bronze. how does it why does it have the the crest of the house of l on it okay i mean there's 
the, there is a one real reason, and it's because if they changed the colors too much, it would be hard to sell toys. <laughs> I mean, uh, 100%. Merch, I it's, a, it's a personalizing branding of the character thing. Do you think at some point Zack Snyder wanted it to be the black suit like we see in his weird dream sequence later? You talked earlier, Todd, about like studio meddling. That is yes. a recurring studio theme through all of those those versions in the 90s because when he comes back from the death of Superman thing, he wears this black suit, silver. Right, right. right I think right. I think we're going to see it in Justice League. Oh, I wanted to fuck, get him I in hope again. we don't. But will he have but, a mullet? Uh, if, he does, <laughs> if, if he doesn't have a mullet to go with that fucking mustache. I think he's going to have beard long hair to just really like beat us the with casket. the dead horse oh, that we've been beating that this He's is analogy Jesus. for Jesus yeah right. super Jesus. Um, so <laughs> super Jesus so I have a theory okay this scout ship is 20,000 years old I think we've said that a couple times right but all of a sudden <laughs> Jor-El's ghost appears he clearly I is see where you're going. tied to the key which Clark had in his possession, which we saw Jonathan give to him when he showed him the ship. This is your legacy, mm-hmm. right? The answer to are we alone in the universe? Okay, so clearly everything that Clark needs is tied to that key. My assumption, including like the motif of the battle armor, it's almost like a cascading style sheet on a web page. Like, oh yeah, I load this and this puts my theme across everything. The only issue I have... <laughs> At what point is that recording made? Because Jor-El is killed unexpectedly. He he knows that Zod killed him. In one of the walkthroughs, he's, he's like, he's, Zod he, killed yeah. me, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a little hand-wavy. Yeah, and again, Super hand-wavy. This what is, does he say? Like, I am your father, Cal. Or at least a shadow of him. Okay, yeah. Apart, right, fine then. Yeah, you know, right. I guess. And where I'm, where I'm going to at the end take points away from the movie is because of the internal logic that I don't like. Jor-El's ghost appears. His consciousness... He's overtaken everything. Yeah. Right. Jor-El Jor- 2.0 takes over the operating yes. system of the yep. ship, which they kind of get into later where it's like, if you purge that program? Yes. And then like he's that. gone. Yes. And, and that's so, killing and he, him he forever. Makes, yeah. He makes the suit using the matter replicator, basically. Okay. So when it was turning around, I needed a moment where we see it still forming transporter style on Star Trek, where like you see parts of it being built. Like, it seemed the, like it was just like in a closet or, in this ship like even him saying something to the effect of this is a piece of the world you, you came from yes. but i've done research on this world and these colors will speak to them or something oh, like you know what yeah. i mean so jorel mm-hmm. or the jorel 2.0 i like right? what Colin said yeah, yeah. oh that's like that. that's, up, that's, with, that's up there with uh, tony he's danza like dick holog- double he's like one of those hologram concerts yes. you, know, you know later on jorel is talking he knows a lot about the people of earth he does so he's a lurker. He's a, <laughs> nice. Are, that's are He's but, a peeping Jorel. So does the key, which has been on Earth for thirty years, does the key have the ability to monitor internet traffic? That's a good head head cannon. I'll take right? that. Like oh, so, the key has been monitoring now digital knowledge. Which sure. means, has the key sure. seen my dick? Yes. That's the question. Oh, yes. Has the key seen Clark it's, jerking off? Yes, it's, it's totally seen definitely it. seen Anthony Weiner's dick. Yes. Okay. It, well, oh, to be fair, no. that's not a high bar to clear. Mm, to yeah, a, a lot of people have seen yeah. Anthony Weiner's dick. Colin, you made some interesting points earlier, which I think are absolutely spot on. The whole Christ mythology that appears throughout this. In in a few scenes, we'll get to an, as much in your face of Christ on the oh. cross, right? Oh, boy. But um, and I mean, you know that they actually had like packets that went out to churches about how to take <laughs> people to special screenings and then talk about the film from a religious angle. That they does not surprise me directly to churches. 
Fucking Puritans. <laughs> but there's an even, in my mind, even more interesting mythology at play here as well. And so we've referenced Heimdall and Norse mythology. Yes. So let's not think about the Marvel Thor, mm-hmm. but the mythological Thor. The actual Norse god. The, yeah. the Norse god. So Thor is the child of the sky god Odin and the mm-hmm. personification of Earth, Gaia, or Jord, as she's often referred to in Norse mythology, a giantess, this Earth mother. Mm-hmm. Jorel says flat out at this point, you are the child of both worlds, Earth and Krypton. So Earth, this grounded, you know, Gaia, Earth, uh, rocky s- substance, right. and Krypton, the sky world. Right. And again, we've got some points later on that are hallmarks <laughs> a little more directly to Thor, the movie. That mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's some interesting parallels here. So I well, noted that there. See, I think they really left behind the better mythology for it, which is uh, he's Moses. He's put in a basket of amongst the rushes, which is the ship that, go, oh, you know, and what, he is found oh, and raised fuck. by other people. Seal and Schuster were Jews. Right. They were right. not interested in a Jesus metaphor. And isn't that Moses. Isn't that yeah. so squarely in the Donner film when yeah. the baby Clark, isn't he in this like biblical robe? So the next thing that happens yes the flying. so good oh shit but here's the only thing and Wait, colin the, the flying yes and here's where you, okay. i think you'll agree with me so the first time he goes up and he's all excited yay i'm fine with everything that happens there when he crashes and he puts his hand up i wanted you, i wanted the you want the i want the john theme. williams theme you know yeah. they're using it in in Justin yeah, I'm not happy with how it's being used. Mm-hmm. No, but they agree that it's iconic music. Like the Hans Zimmer score has its moments, but it's kind of but forgettable. I, Colin, the there's flying a- sequence, look, I, I mean, I'll tip my hand. It's the best fucking sequence in the Oh, film. my God, yes. it's so cool. Yes. And to the point where it but- ends with the Donner flying over Earth and going back in. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're back in the... <laughs> But, you know, yeah. so I had a note that I glossed over. It didn't fit where we were going. But mm-hmm. when he pulls the, the bus out of the water, the music in the movie is, it's perfect. And it's not, yeah. it's not what we grew up with. It's not, Sure, but I it mean, works. Can you compare, let's be honest, it's not fair to compare anything to John Williams. Nope. Ever. John Williams is right. the best. <laughs> I, I love the Alan Silvestri Marvel scores, right? Like, but, but, but again, they are lacking don't stack in them, theme Don't songs. stack them to... John Williams and, right? and John Williams would be a bad fit with this movie. Yeah, like it just it He's, wouldn't work. Like, just has, for that scene, and I, I've talked about it in Justice League. Obviously, Danny Elfman's going his own way, but when we Casey, spoiler alerts for Justice League. If you're a moron, wait a minute. Superman's dead, son. I'm not sure if your parents showed you the last movie, but Superman's dead. Props to Jason about Jesus. <laughs> that's right, that's but here's right. here's the yeah. It took them almost that's right. fifty years of the of Superman being around, but they got around to that Jesus metaphor completing itself. Got it. When we see Superman for the first time in Justice League, now obviously it's something different because they're going to make it a darker tone. But I wanted him to just come down and land, and I just wanted. All I wanted. Sure. I didn't want the just, whole theme. Even just, the, just those, those notes. notes. Oh, my yeah. God. I would have just been I, like, I'm going to go see this movie 20 I, more times. So my note starts with, he's going to fly, <laughs> exclamation point. There is literally nothing in that sequence I would change. No, I lo- no. That I love the jump perfect. and fail. So he falls. I love the fear on his face when he when falls. When he falls. Oh, no. He, right? I love that. 
But but again, this is a human Superman that I have never seen, which mm-hmm. I'm interested in. I, and he has, I, I he has to work to fly, and I like that. But, but when he turns his yeah. face up, the determination, he sets his jaw. That's mm-hmm. I, To me, that's the first moment in which we get a glimpse of Superman. I will not be defined by the gravity well that I sit in on this planet. Right. Like, and I, I was like, find a way past this. I was like, holy shit. That's Superman. 100%. Oh my god! I mean, like I'm yeah, getting like physically energized. It is. About it scene. is the moment in Wait. Force Awakens when Ray gets the lightsaber. Every time I see oh. that scene, I'm gonna clap. Oops, that's a spoiler. Even I'm, bigger. It's bigger Even than that. Bigger. But I, yeah. it's that moment where you, no matter what, you're gonna be. It's you could have in the, the shittiest day possible. You see that scene, and it's gonna lift your spirits because it's so fucking well done. But you know what makes that sequence for me? I mean, everything you're saying is correct. Yeah, everything you're saying about it. But what makes the sequence for me is that smile on his face. It's, a, it's, it's such a human. The, it's one of the human only times he smiles in the whole movie. Yep. And uh-huh. it's an acknowledgement that, yes, being Superman is going to be difficult. Yes, you will always feel like you maybe don't entirely belong or, or you wonder how you belong. Yes, you will feel the burden of responsibility. But fuck, it's fun to fly. <laughs> so the moment that could be fun for five seconds. Oh, fuck. So after he falls and he sets himself and, and you see him. So you see Henry Cavill, the actor. You see him. I'm fucking flying. Right? Yeah. And, he, uh, and you see the, the, the fist push down. press into the earth, and you see, like, the pebbles tremble. He pushes himself up and launches. Now, very interestingly, stepping back, production note, this movie is 10 years after the last best revision of what flying looks like on film. Do you know what movie that was? The Matrix. The Matrix Reloaded. Reloaded, where he does the same is, thing. He does the exact same thing. But and if, it's the one, the two times that we actually saw Clark fly on Smallville, is it, it was the is same it, thing. It was to push oh, against the Earth's gravity. I want, I'd be curious, when was that in Smallville? Uh, so Post-Matrix. Was it? Because 95% oh, yeah. sure. Okay, so I remember Matrix right. Reloaded. I remember the hype about that. And then I remember that scene. And I remember thinking, if you were Neo or Clark, like they got it. And then in Man of Steel, yeah, absolutely. they fucking get it. Like, oh, so that, was, that scene featured prominently in the uh, trailers. And yeah. it gave me a lot of ultimately dashed hope for this film. <laughs> if the whole movie had that feeling, oh, which is, yeah. which is like you say, which it's a is pinnacle. tied it's a to a real world, yeah. but is, is not self-consciously grim and gritty is is fun right it just could it could have been brilliant it really could that is one of the best moments of this film no doubt absolutely i agree 100 yeah. yeah all right God, I, and I it's followed that. it's followed by one of the worst isn't the hurricane scene next or the tornado? well right before that so lois is tracking out so we see the sprinkle of now i'm not a i'm not upset about how quickly we move through lois's research I but my she note here was at oh Lois is being a real reporter. She's not just like hmm, I wonder who Superman is. She's, she's fucking going out there. She's yeah. asking people. She's oh no. Yeah. She's doing and Colin again. You haven't seen the director's cut, but we get this moment in BVS too. We see Clark right. being a real reporter, finding stuff out about the Batman. Yeah. That's the no, stuff I, I like, love. It's one of the things that I don't love about this film. Is I like the reporter stuff. I like Clark Kent being an actually good reporter. I like stories of Lois Lane. Well, then you'll you'll yeah. love it in BVS because they spend a lot of he. He interviews like six or seven people about yeah. the bat. Uh, and the you're bat. like, oh, there we go. That's Clark. He is a reporter, regardless of if he's it's Superman interesting. or when Cal. We, when we get to this movie, it's going to be interesting. I can't, mm, I, yeah. I can't wait. 
So we, it's not important other than Lois does research, she finds Martha. Martha, why did you say that name? This was the moment where I, when I first saw it, where I went, oh, she is never going to not know Clark Kent is Superman. And I'm They're okay. Totally upend that. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, because. I mean, yeah, I can't, I, it doesn't bother, it's the least of the, the problems for well, me. Well, you yeah. said the T word. Let's get to the tornado scene. Okay. So uh, this is all I wrote. Tornado death, good or bad. Very, very bad. I will agree. It's it, not great. There's a lot of ways that they could have gotten around Jonathan actually being saved. But the way that Kevin Costner sells that, just the holding up the hand oh, and the shaky. I'm talking about yeah, it right now. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. It's so well done. It's a shitty you scene, can, but you God can, damn it, you can does he sell it. over the script. You cannot attack Costner at any Would, point in this no, movie. Absolutely at all. Especially the that Costner look. thread of this, but tons of this movie is like bad ideas or half-baked ideas being executed well on the day. Um, you know? But so here's, I will say, yeah. this was the first movie. Do you we're remember? So, we are all so fired up about this. I love this it. This was the first movie we saw in IMAX, Todd. <gasps> yes. We when he put up his hand, all three of us went, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah, it was so powerful. All right, I'm done. Oh, Someone else go. All right, here's the thing. Oh boy. Right. Oh boy. He straight up murdered. No, wrong thing. <laughs> no, nope, this thing. is not. That's, yeah. All right. So here's the thing. Okay. The good news is that the story is internally consistent with its own logic. Yes. If Jonathan says to Clark, he doesn't say, let the kids on the bus die. When Clark says, should I have let them die? And he says, maybe Jonathan doesn't know. What redeems Jonathan's very harsh point there, like you're going to tell this teenager that maybe, maybe mm-hmm. his classmates should have died. He fucking proves the integrity of his beliefs when he holds up that hand oh. and says no. Now, God, so here's chilly. the thing. It's not Superman. If that's Superman who has taken Martha onto the underpass, Superman goes back. Because right. Superman knows who he is. But that's not Superman. That's Clark. And Clark is still his father's son. And as fathers, both of you, as fathers and sons, in that moment, he is not a man. He no, his reaction child. is very much, I just watched my father I get sucked away by a tornado. But, but even knowing that he could save him, because Clark could go to Jonathan, bring him back in a, the blink of an eye. Or because there's so much pandemonium going on, because there's a he could, tornado, he could go he get him, fly himself. away, he and doubt, no one would know the difference. He doubts himself. Oh, he doesn't the, know he can the fly only, yet. He has speed, the, but he the, wouldn't the, be able to fly. The, the only beacon he has is the beliefs that Jonathan, his father, have raised in him. And when Jonathan <sighs> holds his hand up, <sighs> that might as well be a kryptonite wall. So I will stop. <laughs> Colin, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's <laughs> Oh, no. It's such a contrivance of the writing. There's no reason he can't go get him. There's no, re- there, there's no reason in that chaos that... He would have to reveal who he is. The Superman I want is there's always a way. There's always a way that isn't letting people but die. You're so going to have a tough question at the end of this film then. Todd, spoiler territory. Yeah, until there isn't. Because think about how Jonathan Kent dies. And I know this is not what we're supposed to do, but you have to at this point. No, I, go, I know where we're going. Go right ahead. Jonathan Kent dies in the Donner film. Yes. The heart attack. He dies of a heart attack. And Clark stands there over his grave and says, All those things I can do. All those powers. And I couldn't even save him. God. 
And that's a great scene too. So we and get here. It's all those powers, everything I can do. And I chose not to fucking save him for no really good reason. Let me ask you a question. So in the scene, so you're filming the scene. That's not a scene that you give to, to 10 year old or 12 year old Clark. Henry Cavill it, gets it, that scene. What if, yeah. what if they're what roughly if Clark, the same age in yeah. Superman, the movie and in this. Though. Yeah. But what if it was a kid? What if, maybe. yeah. It, right. So, so again, that tells us that Jonathan's influence on Clark is what stops him from moving. You, you are a hundred percent correct. He could have gotten there and come back to the to underpass. He could have gone back to the house and deposited him. I was never there. What are you talking about? I'm right here. He could have right, done all yeah. those things. What stops him is his father's hand in the universal symbol, which is the palm facing stop. <laughs> Do not advance. So, but what is? Jonathan afraid of why does Jonathan not want to reveal himself because he obviously thinks he's going to reveal himself at some point he does how is this how does he know this isn't the moment you know what you know what it is it is the humility of Jonathan Kent to know that my life is not the moment at which my son will reveal himself as a being the likes of which our world has never envisioned of course he (laughs) wouldn't have to do it Um, Sure. Yes. Point of order, though. Right before this tornado shows up, Clark says to him, I don't even know why I'm listening to you. You're not my dad. You're just some guy who found me in a field. That's right. So what does Jonathan say? What does Jonathan say? He's right. Clark has a point. We're not your parents. We've been doing the best we can, and we've been making this up as we go along. So maybe, maybe our best isn't good enough anymore. And of course, they are. Yeah, they are because they've yeah, raised him since birth. But That's what is, stops him. That is, is that part of it? Is yes. that why he does that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's absolutely part I'm of it. I'm not trying to defend it. I Listen, I'm with you, Colin. He should have just had a heart attack. It should have, instead of the tornado, when he says you're not even my real dad, it would have His been head a little. just exploded like scanners? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he should have, like. His heat vision. He should have maybe gotten a little worked up about that fight, being called that, right. and then they get back to the house. He gets out of the car, falls dead from a heart attack, and it's still the all these powers and I can't save him right. kind of thing. And Clark would be like, it's my fault because I argued with him. And, and then that's fine. We like, would have still no, gotten. It's his mo- fault. He ate chicken fried steak every day. But. <laughs> So if this universe wants to tie Superman back to humanity, isn't it more important with all of his powers? What could Superman do for a heart attack? Nothing. He could, probably, well, I he mean, could get him to a hospital faster than anybody. Blah, blah, blah. Right? No, not much. Yeah. But th- there's, right. certain, there's certain facts of human biology. He's not going to defeat. Right. right. So if, so if Jonathan dies via a means in which his powers mean nothing, you're old. Your heart gave out. Like in those sequence, then it doesn't matter whether he's man or God. Right. Be- but well, so here, here's my last thought. So yeah. beca- because, because Jonathan dies Welcome in a way. Welcome to the super pod tornado uh, cast. That's right. Because Jonathan dies in a way that, su- that Superman could have prevented. It firmly establishes who that character is, which is that is Clark, not Superman. Cause Superman could have saved him, but Clark Everything you're listened to his father. Saying makes sense. <laughs> it, it's, it is it is borderline headcanon because the film doesn't do the work of making that delineation you're making. I, I hear you. I agree. One hundred percent. That's, 100%. Fair. That's okay. fair. 
But so, there is an emotional consistency to the sequence of events, but it is there because a screenwriter decided on an outcome they wanted. And I will repeat that argument uh, in 25 minutes when we get to the end of this film. <laughs> it, it's there because the screenwriter, David Goyer, who's arguably shaped more of the DC universe, yeah. right? Like, I mean, the but guy, you, you got to acknowledge. But there's no, it's never the screenwriter. Snyder had a hand in this there's only the person gets credit but dozens of people do a pass the writers guild of america is very particular about how many people can get a credit sure and Mm -hmm. like you guys were talking about with x-men joss whedon's name does not appear anywhere in the film of of x-men everybody knows he wrote a couple of lines and did a pass or two on drafts right he wrote the worst line in the movie but not because of his writing because of the way it was because of halle berry (laughs) sarah michelle geller would have known what to do with that line oh (laughs) well played who could we cast her as let's take a second who could you cast kitty pride she would have made a great shadow cat at that time. Yeah, okay. I'm good with that. At that yeah. time. Oh, she would have made a great shadow cat. I don't want to see that. Okay. Now she's yeah, too old. Sorry. Sorry, Sarah. Because <laughs> we're good friends. Sorry, Colin. Sorry. Right. Some, some of this is it, it is that problem of working backwards from we want Pa Kent to die. We want this neck to get snapped, you know, and, and working backwards <laughs> and creating this as opposed to working backwards from we want this, we want Superman to find a way to solve this problem. So. I feel like what they're setting up with the Jonathan Kent question, we're going to see at the end of the movie, if you've taken a philosophy class, this is like this perfect philosophy question. So in that philosophy 101, it will distill a scenario down to a single binary choice. You can do one of two things. There is no third option. So the one that you most often hear is the kid tied to the railroad track. (laughs) You cannot stop the train. You can either throw the switch or not. And it's going to kill the the old man who has lived a good life or the young kid who's a shit but has the potential to be better, right? So a philosophy Mm. question will distill itself down to a single binary choice. This is a less severe version of what we're going to see at the end, but this is that question. Does he save Jonathan? He says no. Through Jonathan's actions. Through Jonathan's actions, right. If you think back to the most satisfying resolutions of superhero narratives you have ever seen, isn't the best ones where you go, there was that third choice. Hmm. My hero thought of the third choice. So I'm not going to lie. presented with it's this and that, and they went – there's another way because I am a superhero. Are but, you are you trying to reference uh, Batman Begins? I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. I think you're no. re- I think you're referencing the Kobayashi Maru. I reprogrammed the simulation so it was possible to rescue the ship. What? He cheated. I changed the conditions of the test. Got a commendation for original thinking. I mean, I mean, I mean the thing where it's like, well, wait, but I have this power, or wait, I thought of this thing, or wait, you know, it's that that. Oh, they had it all along. Oh, they never, you know, I shouldn't have worried. It was a super, my superhero had it. And that is what I want from Superman. Like, I want Superman to be like, yeah, you you said I had to either let Lois die or a hundred random people die. And I say neither die because I'm Superman. No, I I hear you. I hear you. I think it's fair. I think that, again, I think this is a Superman we have not seen before. This is a different perspective, right? So whether you like it or not, this is a different perspective on the hero. It does does sort of like, that's, I mean, but not just Superman, that's kind of the structure of superhero telling is finding that third way in the, taking the impossible situation and finding a different way where people don't have to 
and you know, you know what, when you're dealing with, that's so what makes them fantasy and, and wish fulfillment because so when, that isn't the real world. Do we, do we get off the tornado? We, I, I think yeah, that I was, think a, we're off the tornado. Have we circled? Yeah. Okay. The tornado has dispersed. Sir, circle. There, Is that the, there's a no. casting we haven't discussed yet. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. She's a goddamn treasure. Fuck. How sweet is the scene where Clark tells Martha? So he has come back. He has the scout ship, and he has his father's key. He put the key in this very phallic. I inserted my key into the lock, and it oh, opened up a new world to me. Right. Uh, you the key master. Yeah, he is. I'm the lock key. Let's try that again. Oh, whoa. Uh-oh. What did you just say? I'm the key master, and the, I am the gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. Lock. Damn it. Son of a take, take my geek give card. It, give me give it. it. There you go. Thank you. But how sweet is the scene with Cavill and Diane Lane when he is so happy yeah. he's found his origin? How heartbreaking oh. is her sense of impending a, loss? And that story of when you were a baby, I used to lay by your crib at night, listening to you breathe. It was hard for you. You struggled, and I worried all the time. You worried the truth would come out. No. The truth about you is beautiful. We saw that the moment we laid eyes on you. We knew that one day the whole world would see that. And I'm just... And I'm worried they'll take you away from you. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, Mom. First, beautifully acted by Diane Lane. But this is one of the things that I think the screenwriter gets right. He is an alien. Of course he's going to have trouble breathing oxygen. He's going through the adaptation that we see. As oh, I just, tactic. I was like, yeah. uh, it, and to show yeah. my hand, people make fun of the Martha thing in BVS. I never thought of the fact that Batman and Superman's mom have the same fucking name. I never thought about that. So that I, I was get- like, oh, kudos to you guys for p- putting that together. It's a little. Martha it's a- was a real popular name in the late 30s. <sighs> I, 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 clearly. So, are both of those. So, question from the Marvel guy Are both of those coincidentally canon? Are they. Are both of their are both mothers. Are, but they're very. Like. Is it neither like. Neither of those are established at the beginning. I mean, the, the name comes come later. So oh. much later. I mean. I don't think I, when Batman started, we knew. And he's just raised in an orphanage. They find him and give him into an orphanage okay. or something like that. Okay. And in Batman, the very first issue of Batman Detective Comics number 27, you just see Bruce Wayne, who is this dickhead in this comic. And then you see <laughs> Batman at the very end. They're like, no one would ever know that Bruce Wayne, he like goes into a closet, comes out is the Batman. And that's how that's that right. ends. Got it. Yeah, they don't, they don't, it's a few There's, issues before they say, oh, and his parents were murdered. <laughs> and this is why he is, I mean, he, he yeah. kills someone in the first issue. What? Leading to the Batman. Oh, sure. Are yeah. you saying he's that he the, straight up murders someone? 100%. He, he swings in and kicks somebody's head and snaps his neck. <gasps> no, no, no. He pushes someone into a vat of acid. The snapping Wait, the neck is too. later. Is that the Joker yeah. with the? No, it's not. Okay. It's not the Joker. Right. Joker no, no, he was just dropping people on acid left, right, and center. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joker created by Bill Finger. Shout out to Bill Finger, the right. actual Always. creator of Batman. Fuck Bob yeah. Kane. <gasps> Ouch. Bob Kane, actual real life supervillain. He no. is. Move it along, guys. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Diane Lane, this is treasure. We went over that. So, did you guys notice in this movie when Clark is just with Martha? Why did you say that, Dad? He's in form-fitting clothes that show off his muscles because he doesn't have to hide. But the rest of the movie, 
any time where he's Clark at the end of the Daily Planet, when he's the Greenhorn, when he's the barback, it's looser clothes that hide his his uh, largeness. I thought that was a cool costuming choice. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm pretty sure Chris Reeves wore like a bigger suit as Clark sure. slouch into it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This, I thought it was a nice little costuming touch. I, you know, I, I think you have to acknowledge that right. we love her. And, that, and it's right after that sweet scene that we get Zod's message. Zod Zod takes over the TV. The apex of hey, we're just going to make an alien invasion movie instead of a superhero movie. Now it's Independence Day. Um, but I gotta say, slash yeah. signs. Slash, yes, it, yeah. it, it. I wrote signs vibe because when it first starts, you get that weird like. <laughs> feedback sound. It's sufficiently but, creepy. I was creeped but, out. Even but this. The Kryptonians are smart enough to recognize a planet that's three quarters of water. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shot Wait. across the bow to End Night Shyamalan. Yep. Zod takes over the TVs uh-huh. for some reason to get the message to get the message out that he wants count because it's not just the right, TVs. The pixelation happens. It's like we can travel across the stars, but we can't beam a clear signal to your television. Well, from look, orbit. Zod just didn't have a good Wi-Fi signal. That's all the problem was. He needed to get closer. He needed to get some broadband. So my question here. The entire world sees this message, right? Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be on everything. I mean, right. Why, did, over, why right? did Bruce and uh, Diana not join in in this fight? In BVS, there should have been some mention of why they didn't help. So and that that doesn't bother me so much. That's on a. Is that just is me? Is it just me being? It, it is. It's just a comic book thing. It's like uh, they were doing their own thing, and we have. It's part of the conventions of the storytelling. All right. I'll take yeah, that. It, it, All right. So Zod has delivered an ultimatum. Yes. Deliver and, deliver Cal. Yeah. Turn over straight to the to the church scene of oh, the the Jesus metaphor that is so heavy handed, yeah. I heard it go You know, at first I was like, Oh my god, Kevin Costner has a, as little time on screen as Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> but Costner does appear throughout the whole film. There's another Costner scene. When Clark is getting bullied by the kids and his father oh, comes right. out. That's a good scene, too. It is a great scene. I mean, again, look, you can quibble over the choices of the character development. Yeah. Can't point to the performance. It has that back and forth, though, again, of like. Yeah, yeah. Thing. But you are going to do something, but you shouldn't do anything. But you are going to. It's just. But, but I, when? That's the question write, is when. It was a, a way to write it where that was more the character and less just the script kind of going, you know. That's fair. So he decides he's going to surrender himself. Well, what, he does go to priest. I mean, we have to talk about okay, this. Okay, let's talk about the church. Go he ahead. He talks to the priest because what is the what is the stained glass window in behind him? Do you know what specifically it is? Uh, it's no. not just Jesus. It's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Gethsemane. It's yeah, a yeah. choice. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. not a choice. It's just uh, if you're stupid, here it is for you on screen. <laughs> We've abandoned all pretense at subtlety. He's fucking Jesus. <laughs> He's fucking Jesus. He's standing behind the thing where Jesus decides to surrender himself to. Yep. You're welcome. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward. He's given himself up. He's given himself up. He's having this interrogation scene with uh, Lois. And Lois says to him, so, why do you want to kill me? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's a different that's a DC totally movie. Different- 
and Taylor Taylor says, I'm so on sorry. my planet, this means mope. I mean hope. <laughs> oh. oh, point to Carol. That's good. What is hope on Krypton? That did not look like a hopeful place. Right. That, and also, he's lived on Earth for 33 years, as he says in a couple minutes in this exact scene. He doesn't <laughs> know what a fucking S is. He looks at her like, stupid human, this means hope. It should have been like, yes, uh, I understand that means hope, but where you know, I'm from originally, as I've just learned, it means hope. Such a great, it's such a great scene. I am willing to overlook all these things. And I think it goes to, you can bank goodwill points in the audience. Okay. And this goes They to have that. good chemistry, too. They, they do. I, it's I, such a great scene. You know what? Doing the, the research the, for this movie, yeah. one of the notes on IMDb, I don't know if either one of you saw this, says Amy Adams and Henry Cavill play love interests in this movie, even though she is nine years older than him. If you could what? make comments on trivia, I would like, whoever wrote this, go fuck yourself. Who gives a shit how much older yeah. she is? It's, that was a oh terrible God. trivia moment yeah. because I'm just like, who cares? But what a wonderful scene. It's a great scene. They do, re- it's nice and. Uh, there's points when it's appropriate for the actor to look like he's acting, like that there's a pretense. That moment is when Superman is like, Looking at the handcuffs, he's like, it makes them feel better. Yeah. And then when yeah. he said, then he's like, okay, fuck this. And he stands up. And just effortlessly and just effort, breaks like, them. Uh-huh. It's not even an issue, right? Like, And he walks over to the mirror to talk to General Swanwick and the scientist. Now, here, here's my problem. Yeah. He gives two pieces of evidence to a major general of how to find him. In that scene, he says, I've been on Earth 33 years, right? Okay. All right. right. Then yep. at the and end. I'm from Kansas. So check the birth records of Kansas from 33 years ago. Well, You're the fucking government. You're going to figure oh, this out. No. But that's a no, different. This film makes no attempt to hide. To... <laughs> because there's a giant showdown in Smallville that starts at the Kent farm. And he goes back at the end. He goes back at the end. I'm like, time out. You're kind of giving it away now, Clark. Let's back. Let's slow your roll. Back to home base. No way. It's a good scene. I don't love the scene before when he comes to show up and and he sort of says something to the general. I found them. No, he says, don't play play games with me, general. All right. You've got our attention. What is it you want? I would like to speak to Lois Lane. What makes you think she's here? Don't play games with me, General. He's just sort of immediately kind of pissy with him. And it's, I get that he might not trust them, but I, I just, I need my Superman to kind of lead with a smile. Now, to lead with politeness to be that guy, you know? I mean, it's just, I mean, I feel it's the same thing with Cap. Like, even when people are dickish to him, he's going to lead with a smile. <laughs> Do you think that part of this is much like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the comics will play into what happens in the films and vice versa? Do you think because at this time we had New 52 douchebag Superman, the producers or somebody there at Warner Brothers like, well, he's a dick in the comics. He has to be a dick in the movie or else no one will Nothing understand. I actually not sure that this I think this came right around the same time. I just think that they want to make there's a real big blue boy scout vibe <laughs> that people react to and they go how can we make him cool? How can we make him, you know. He, but here's here's where I'll side with you. He is cool as the big blue boy scout. So the ships land, right? So he's going to give himself over. Right. Ships land. Lois goes with them. Feora is there. Feora all 
a suddenly another Kryptonian accent. Curiously, so in canon, who is the chick in Superman 2? The evil... Lursa. It's Lursa. Lursa. They're both real comic characters, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are both of them, are either of them fair choices for Zod's right-hand woman? No, they both are at various versions of Zod, various versions. Okay, have, so either yeah. okay, so either one could be fair. Okay, so they, they I, went... I'll tell you one thought I had yeah. during this film was she could have been General Zod. That would have been fucking she was awesome. pretty. She was pretty, she's pretty great. badass. She I, was good. I, she was underused in the film, her, and I wanted more of her. Her interplay with Colonel Hardy, Christopher yeah. Maloney. Yeah. Love yeah. that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. They're big dogging each other hardcore Absolutely. in that scene. Yes. And it's great. Her she dick wins. is big. She wins. Big. She's, yes. She flops that dick out, and it just... Right but, on the table. So Feora all steps forward, says, Lo- you know, Zod wants Lois as well. Lois agrees to go. They get on the ship and they depart. Why uh, does Zod want Lois? We don't know. Just Again. So, so that to justify this yeah. relationship later in the film. More importantly, so they're going up on the ship and they're explaining how the pressure change and he's, mm, she's got to... That's... No, yeah. no, she's got to wear the, the, the mask. The breather. And what does Clark do? He hands her... The key, yes. very sub. Where the fuck was he hiding that key? He's Don't wearing ask. a skin tight suit yep. and a cape. He keistered the key. Oh. And you can Google that. I don't recommend it, but you could. Oh, man. I, that's, that's all I had to say about I this scene. I like, this uncomfortable piece of metal up my ass. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So this is a problem I have, and it's not a problem with any performer. It's a problem with the writing. I don't understand what weakens him. Now, in BVS, there's this it's green glowing It's 100% rock. kryptonite. Is it the atmosphere? Is it there is gaseous kryptonite in their air? No. Like, it's just that no, it's, because in this universe, kryptonite is created from the world engine terraforming our oh. surface to... Oh, really? Yeah, you'll see when we watch BVS, you'll see... Makes even less sense it does. Than, it, on the ship. Why, why right. he's bleeding, all that stuff. But then it, yeah. right after that, he passes out. And this whole dream sequence exposition scene oh. makes... No fucking sense. Right. Why is Zod? How does he hear Zack Snyder and you love dream sequences? But well, it, it felt Watchmen. It than, felt very Watchmeny. Other than I want that visual. How great is the visual of him sinking into the skulls? That's pretty. That's right. pretty great in the black that's uniform. A, that's a pretty great I'm thing. Of that. Example of ooh, we worked backwards from the visual. You yeah. Know? yeah. Zack Snyder said, "What if Superman fell into a pile of skulls?" Fuck. Okay, Zach. We'll start writing the okay. scene. Okay. You start writing that in the script. You go paint that That's on the right. side of my van. You <laughs> give me a ton of coke. <laughs> Wait, what movie is it? Captain America 79? Wait. I feel like there's some coke involved in this movie, too. Might be. Okay, so Lois gets thrown into a cell. Okay, when Lois and Clark are reunited... Yes. She says, I didn't want to tell them anything about you, but they did something to me. They looked inside my mind. It's okay, Lois. And he says... Did the same thing to me. What did I miss? Was that the dream sequence that he was having? Was them probing his mind? No one ever said it, but she distinctly says they looked inside my mind. That was not in the cut that I saw. Did not. Uh, no, it was something. She says it. It's all a bit funky. That whole is that everything up on the ship is real weirdly done. Such- you know, it, this is where I start to go. What does Zod want? Is it an what exactly thread? is Zod's right. plan? It's yeah, an, an abandoned thread. We've got a hundred threads. We'll use thirty of them. The rest yeah. we don't prune, and they're out there. This, this is where I feel like there's a lot of drafting evident yeah. in this script. The, the, definitely the weakest section, not scene, but section of this film is up on 
up on the Phantom Zone ship. It's definitely the weakest part because you're not really sure Ex- everything that's going on, except for the Jor-El except escape. For jo- that's pretty yeah, fucking cool. That is this wonderful, beautiful guided sequence. It's almost the tutorial level of a video game mm-hmm. when Jor-El is guiding Lois Lane on the out. Like, do Turn this, your head to the left. Press X, yeah. right? To, yeah. Right, yeah. To uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. The, um, thing that, the thing that kills me in this section, and it is this section where, you know, Zod is like, here, I'm going to terraform Earth, I'm going to murder all the humans and make a new Krypton. And that we, okay, there's your plan. Late in the game, we're going to induce yeah. it. And Superman's like, no, you cannot do this. At no point does Clark ever say to him, let's go find a planet, a planet without people. And you can do it there. One of the other planets in our solar system. Yeah, so take Venus, take whatever. And and the thing is, that's fair. I, I need him to say that and Zod to reject it for whatever evil Zod reason. Or so even science, science, science. Think, yeah. Right. So that I at least feel like Superman tried to not go the path that he eventually goes, which is, um, Next what's the word? Genocide. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm he, looking He's at- responsible for the death of all the rest of the Kryptonians. He sure is. You're and right. he could have yeah. at least tried a moon somewhere. Yeah. If you missed any bit of symbol. Oh, yeah, the escape. Yeah. Jor-El says, destroy this panel. Oh, yeah. Blows a spot out. And then Superman <laughs> floats out into space. How does he float out? In the crucifix, 100%. Oh, my God. He, all he needed to do was just turn his head down and to the left <laughs> to make it look like he was dead on the cross. Yeah, if you was, missed it at, at literally any other point. If you missed it, you were point. asleep. That's right. So then now, we're back on Earth. Yes. And Zod comes and like starts threatening Martha. Why did you say that name? So it, this is in Smallville. You referenced right, yeah. this earlier. How much like the showdown of Thor was this? It's small town America in, oh, in, in Main in Street. Thor. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like what a great imagery. But before we get to that, yeah. my least favorite line in the movie, when Clark flies down and starts punching Zod and flewing him through that he goes cornfield. Hard. He hard. goes hard on him. What does he say? Do you think you could frighten my mother? I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't even Yeah. It's, it's when a, he's punching us. You think you could frighten my mother? But he does that. He, oh, you threaten my mother. And he blew through the cornfield, through the cornfield, through the cornfield. And they blow up gas station. And my thought was, so the gas, st- and then a car is there. Uh, maybe in Kansas, they leave their cars parked in front of the gas <laughs> tank when they go inside to get Doritos. It's a different world, Colin. That's right. but <laughs> I'm betting there was a person in that fucking car. Listen, we'll get to the but fact that the, Superman murders thousands of people. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a spoiler. Thank you, Bob. Well, here's the problem. Murder, murder implies deliberate action, but... Uh, manslaughter? Does, yes, massive manslaughter. Failing to stop, I think I... So then I, we're in the fight in Main Street. Yeah. How badass is Kryptonian karate? It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Feora All has not had her armor breached. Right. She is pure Kryptonian. She is fucking going to town. Yeah, yeah she is taking I, Cal for a ride. I do appreciate the the way they in this film they sort of go, well, he's Superman, but he'd never learned to fight. Yes. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Whereas they're trained military but officers. Did you notice? So uh, again, failings of internal logic bothers me. So Clark in our world. His genetic heritage gives him these powers, right? He's adapted to it. He's okay. Feora Ol, her armor is not breached at the start of the fight. Right. And I'm okay with she is from the warrior cast. 
She has Kryptonian karate. She moves at super speed before her armor is breached. Right. How she's that, soaking up the where radiation. Does that, well, where does the yeah, super the, speed come from? Forget the strength. She has super speed. Well, yeah, even the, going back. How the other Kryptonians absorb or catch up the powers that, and the way, the rate at which the powers happen is all it's the worst throughout yeah. the film. Well, yeah. even to the point going back to the threatening Martha scene, he flips that car into the house. I'm like, time out. He has literally been on Earth for 30 seconds. Zod's standing there. He's like, where's the codex? She goes and looks under the thing. She comes back and he just flips the truck. I'm like, wait, how did you even know that that would work? Oh, so that's interesting. Feyre all has speed. He has strength right from the start. So is it only about there's a momentary short-term weakness while they adapt to our atmosphere? They were always that strong, always that fast. Mm, oh, that's... No, because on, on, because oh, on because Krypton. Oh, because on the ship, here's, they can take And also on, on Krypton, when he's fighting Jor-El, he, he would have just he, taken yeah. him out. Yeah. Very yeah, it right. just doesn't work. Okay, so, but I will, the best part really of that scene. Go ahead. What's the best part of the scene? Well, the, so again, this little minor storyline between Feora Ol and Colonel Hardy. Colonel Hardy's helicopter's oh, crashed. Yes. The guns do nothing. He pulls out a knife. That's a fucking warrior spirit. She pulls out her own knife. Which yeah. is really right? badass. And she's like, A good death is its own reward. They square off, and Soups comes blasting in. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I do wish he had thrown the gun at her in an homage to all the dumb criminals on the old Avengers <laughs> Superman. Where they like, empty the gun and then just throw it. And, but then he has to duck that because they don't have the effects for the gun to bounce off George Reeves. Uh, <laughs> so the Smallville um, battle, I am just fine with the amount of damage that happens in that small town. Yes. Because there are parts of it where... I mean, I just wish he was trying to save people. But he seems like he is kind of like he's blocking stuff more. It's worse when we get to Metropolis. He's never... But he's also never been faced with this kind of threat. Right. On the oil rig, so holding up the structure, there's no risk to him other than like, I don't know if I can do it. Oh, I'm invulnerable. I'm burning. I'm not. I'm fine. This is the point in which he's truly tested. He has not been tested yet. From any yeah. kind of a scale, power scale. I, I would, I he would agree with that. He mostly seems to be interested. He mostly is saving the military personnel, not the civilians. Well, aside from Pete oh, in the true. IHOP, his buddy, we yeah, don't Pete, really yeah. see, like the Sears building that they are the Sears uh, department store. They go through all the other buildings. The bank seem to oh, be right. cleared out. This is where the product placement really started getting heavy, <laughs> and I was like, really? I mean, you really paid just to have your brand blown up? <laughs> Sadly, yes. Yes. But you know what I mean? Like when he crashes through the bank, no one's there. When he crashes through the Sears, it's closed. So I'm okay with the destruction because there's no loss of life. Yeah. 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 So there's an interesting point here at the end of the sequence. The battle's not resolved. The Kryptonians bug out. Soups has been pile-derived into a bank. Mm -hmm. Interesting foreshadowing. Spoiler alert. Thanks, Bob. Hardy orders the units in. So all the special forces guys, they're moving in, right? So he steps out of the rubble of this wreckage, and he steps through them unafraid. It It is the light versus dark contrast to the nightmare sequence of Batman and BVS, where he's... Fuck, that's great. Go ahead. In BVS, Batman's nightmare sequence, Superman is a god, and he's worshipped with fear as the soldiers bearing his emblem uh-huh. like bow in acquiescence to his authorities he steps through in this case 
he is not like a conqueror stepping mm-hmm. through them, but he is like unafraid. And they merely like they give him the respect of warriors giving warriors respect. It's an entirely different tone, but it's the same like stepping through this arch swords. They've all got weapons. They're all there. They're armed, but they all turn aside for him. Totally yeah. different no, tones. It's, it's, this I like bird, that sequence though. Yeah, I do, I like especially that with of like people realizing you go, oh, maybe humanity isn't awful. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> Well, I like it, it. It's punctuated with Maloney saying, "This man is not our enemy." Yes, he yes. he does a yeah. great read with that. Oh, it's a very Chris Maloney read too. If we skip ahead again, plot, 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 science, science, science. Back to the military command center. Mm-hmm. Key moments: first time you see the costume, first time you hear the name Superman. Yeah, right. right. Is this kind of unnamed junior military member who's manning one of the comm channels in the? In NORAD, right? In the command center. He's like, um, he tells General Swanwick, I'm on with the control tower. Colonel Hardy's on his way in and he's got Superman in tow. Superman? The alien, sir. That's what they're calling him. That's That's on par with the Batman. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Like, it's it's not yet who he is. It's a descriptor. Right. I agree. Yeah. It's part and parcel of the thing where they went through a whole Wonder Woman movie without ever saying Wonder Woman. You know, there's... What? what? Yeah, they don't. They don't yeah, say they it, and they say don't say Wonder it in. They don't movie. say it in BVS either. We have yet to hear her be called Wonder Woman. It She's better, been Diana. It, you it may, better be. You in may de- never Justice hear League. it. You may mm. never hear it. What? Mm. Oh, shit. I wouldn't be surprised. But because the code names make them uncomfortable. I mean, sure. You think about how in the MCU, Captain Rogers, Captain Rogers, Captain Rogers, Captain Rogers, or you just know, Cap. very rarely Cap. Captain America. Yeah, one of those flight officers the yep. ones there i don't know who it is i just saw a quick note about this one of those actors plays young clark in superman the movie plays uh, the one that lifts up the wait, car wait. the donner uh-huh. come the on the get the fuck kid? out not, no yeah. way not the young man the little little kid the little little kid that with the biblical the, oh, yeah. bible rose I, I read that i was like what? oh my god that's that's some hardcore awesomeness right there because have you realized in Captain America, the first Avenger? No. Red Brown is in there? First of all, fuck you. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. He is not. Oh. Yeah, he does all the ADR work. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Son he, of a bitch. So to you, Ryan, man, screw you. <laughs> oh, Are honey, you serious? It's all right. Yes, he is. I he will. is not. He is? Who is? Oh, I, I won't want to tell you. No, we'll save okay. it for that we'll podcast, save it, buddy. Save it for the podcast. Right. And Colin, I'll send you a message later. Oh, fuck. <laughs> all right. Okay, so there's a whole lot of science, science, science. They're going to drop the Clark's rocket on the ship and the but Phantom be- drives, blah, blah, blah. But blurry. before that, oh. the terraforming, when uh, Hamilton and the, that whole group of people, when the, you know, were. Hamilton? We're, Hamilton, Emil Hamilton. Yeah, Richard, oh, that's a, oh, Richard Schiff. I'm like, no, God. not, not, I'm not throwing away my <laughs> shot. shot. I'm not. Easy, guys. No, and it's not that Hamilton. Okay, we can't pay for the rights for that. No, we can't. <laughs> um, they're figuring out that it's terraforming. Yes. Not just Hamilton, but the the general. The three of them figure it out. It's very Batman 66, where there's like, <laughs> oh, well, clearly they're terraforming. It's one of those movie leaps. It's like, oh, they gave the scientists the script. Where there's well, fish, <laughs> there's a penguin. But, but it's more just like, oh, shit, this movie is over two hours at this point. We cannot spend time with the mystery of what they're doing. Right. They have to figure it out. Figure okay. it out. 
Yeah. Now we jump ahead to the the battle plan, right? So they're going to drop Clark's rocket, his Phantom Drive on the Phantom Drive of Zod's ship, Singularity, blah blah blah. And they'll create a black hole. Like yeah, yeah. So okay, um, now that's some terrible science, right? Putting a black hole a mile above a city is the end of our totally fine. Totally fine. Has Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, tweeted about this movie? Because I want to. I want to yeah, hear his. Oh, sure. but I, was, I would read that. So there, <laughs> oh, man. there, there is a common military TV movie trope that shows up immediately next, which is every member of the military can perform any job performed <laughs> by anyone in the military. So Colonel Hardy, to this point... Yeah, that's point, exactly how it works, right? Yeah. That's ex- Todd, you knew how to fly those kind of planes in the so Air Force. They're definitely, the military is definitely not ever interested in specialization that's or right. staying in your lane. That's right. So <laughs> so my my K-9 and I would regularly fly fighter <laughs> he jets. He would be your co-pilot. My co- and you'd he, be like, co-pilot has a plane and go... <laughs> that's right. He was my Rio. This military that we're seeing, it's all Army, right? No, it's Air Force. Air Force. Air Force. No, it's specifically Air Force, yeah. Which makes sense because they're monitoring space. So Colonel Hardy, who has been commanding the special forces, you know, engaging the enemy, is now going to fly the C-17 to drop the Phantom Drive bomb onto the Zod right. ship. Because, right. because reason. everyone in the military can do any job anyone else in the military can do. Which is not true. Even if you postulate that he once was a pilot and now sure. is in a command position, it's the Air Force. You got no other pilots sitting around? That's right. I would be fine if he was commanding. You get your number one pilot right the second, not 10 years ago, when he was a captain who would be flying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Right. We call bullshit on that one. 100% bullshit. Now, there's an interesting scene here. It's putting a lot of world building, I guess, or the mythology. They, they want this in the way. So Zod is at... So essentially, the scout ship has become the Fortress, the Fortress of, of Solitude. Solitude. Yeah, Zod yeah. is there. He wants something specifically from this ship, the Genesis Chamber that was in the scout ship. Is, that, is it actually called the Genesis Chamber? It yes. Is. Yeah. Wow, did they manage to remake Wrath of Khan a third time? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> It's MacGuffin-rific, man. It is. The so... only thing good about it is you get another scene of Shannon versus Crow. Jor-El 2.0, his last vestige, and this is where Zod's going to destroy digital Jor-El. His command key will usurp the control of the ship, which essentially erases Jor-El. He's gone. Blah, blah, blah. Genesis Chamber. So in this movie, yeah. Zod kills Jor-El twice. Twice. That's a good point. It's yeah, pretty fucked up point. right there. Yeah. Jumping ahead, I like the fight when Clark, when he is fighting the world engine, we get more of that smart metal morphology. Now, here's yes. the thing. Oh, Colin, I just sent you a picture. Oh, shit. shit oh, right shit. there. Did you, did you see the picture I just sent you? Hang on. I got it. So uh, a minute, uh, one hour, 54 minutes, and 14 <laughs> seconds. Here we go. Who is that? Christopher Reeve. It's Christopher Reeve. They superimposed... <gasps> Christopher Reeve's face on him during the world engine. This Come is on. this is not like fan theory. They did this on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking awesome. That's a, it's a great moment. It's on par with him flying. Yeah, because and, of and, the, and yeah. It, it gives you that feeling because subliminally, if you don't know it when you watch the movie, you're like, I feel like this is where Superman becomes Superman. Yeah, because you see Chris Reeve. I'm still not clear why. He, I mean, they I, they kind of say it, but I'm not clear why he's at that one and not the one that's killing lots of people in Metropolis. Why he's saving a lot of fish in the Indian Ocean instead? Ouch. Well, also, why is he not at a safe distance from it, not affecting him and using the fucking lasers that come out of his eyes? Did you want to, to say slice the force? Him 
I feel like you wanted to say the I didn't force. say the force. No, I want to say the lasers. No, I mean, this is where the movie works for me. I like, it's impossible, and yet I'm going to make it happen. That's true. You know? Okay, so that's fair. That's what I want the character to do by sheer force of will and uh, goodness. <laughs> so they smash the vessel onto the Phantom Zone thing. He destroys the world engine. End of movie. That should have been the end of the movie. So David Goyer writes BVS, right, as well as everything. Mm-hmm. So I like the way I feel like threads are being dropped here. They get picked up later. So Zod vows that he will harvest the Codex from Superman's corpse. Is this a foreshadowing of the fact that Luthor in BVS... Spoiler alert. Thank you, Bob. Luthor in BVS can take the genetic Kryptonian material from Zod's corpse to create Doomsday, the villain, which will kill Superman. I, I want to give him credit. Like, they're setting... Did- all the pieces I'll in place give him credit, but I did think they, it's... Did they actually get Michael Shannon to come in and lay down on a... Oh, yes. uh, no. Oh, what did they do? They Take got Michael shot. Shannon to come in and make a dummy mold of himself, and everything in the movie is a dummy. It's a really fucking good-looking good dummy, dummy right. but it's not him. But, no. Yeah, but, but you look at him. great agent. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so he'll come in for a day, and you can do a mold of his entire body. Right. That's just it. just going to kind of sleep, and they're going to pay you $10,000. <laughs> So he destroys the world engine. Again, nice little nod towards where we're going in BVS. Clearly he's hurt. Right. So he is this weak Superman on the ground, and we see a shot, a scene of the sun at the horizon. Oh, yeah. And he reaches out with his hand, and you see him almost like draw strength from the sunlight. Right from BVS, though. And, of course, stolen oh, from, from, stolen B- from, from Dark Knight Returns. Dark, yeah, when the, he gets blown up the by the nuclear atri- bomb. The yeah. mummified, yeah, yeah. Do you know about that, Colin? Wait, what? Oh. In Superman Returns, they nu- or in um, BVS, they nuke Superman. It's just like up. Dark Knight Returns. Oh, okay. Uh, and wow. it looks yeah. exactly the same. It's He's him the- floating mummified through space. It's, I mean, until, I'm just like, wow. I, if I was they Frank really, Miller, really, I would be like, really what just the wanted f- to no, make that Oh, no. Frank, movie, Miller, has, Frank sure Miller has a credit in BVS. What? At the end of BVS, there's a, there's a special, special thanks. thanks. Okay, that's yeah. fine then. Yeah. All right, that's good. Because uh, the, there's yeah, so cool. many moments you have to acknowledge what oh, it Dark is. Knight would yeah. yeah. The the tactical suit that Batman wears. Everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. But we'll um, get to that movie. We'll get to that. Interestingly. Destroys the world engine. And Casey's right. This is a logical place to end the film. <laughs> but or at least don't. move to the scenes that are afterwards. This fight with Zod is unnecessary on so many levels. Just have Zod yeah. die in the ship. Have it be more than it was in the movie. End of movie, he has still killed Zod inadvertently and destroyed his race. We don't need what does comes this, next. But oh, does here, this here's a crazy idea. Yeah. He <laughs> doesn't die. See, this is again well, the convention he's dead. Of the action the convention of the action film is the villain must die at the end. That's sure. true. But the convention of, of superhero narratives is they don't because they're gonna come back in six months for a new story. Well, the you Joker could, is going to escape. You the could Red make Skull the argument that back. Doomsday, you know, Doomsday is a creation of Zod's body. You could make the argument that that that's his iteration. But in general, superhero movies have this thing of like killing them off. And if if we're going with it, Doomsday is an iteration of Zod's body. When he's fighting Clark in that scene, at some point, like he blocks Superman's punch or something. And you just hear Michael Shannon say, hello, Carol. Oh, does he really? No, I'm saying that's what should happen. That does not happen. Does Doomsday have um, Michael Shannon's little goatee? 
He does no, not. Thank Should he not have that? That would be so much better. That would be good. Well, he, he doesn't have the spikes either. Grotesque. So. Yeah. Uh, he does. He he grows Ish. the spikes. It, no, but it, have you seen a picture of the actual Doomsday? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he, he oh, shed them all, all over, over his body. Right. You, you're right. You could end at any of these, these points. But again, I think, and maybe I'm talking myself into liking this more, <laughs> even more. But so again, if there was any doubt as to whether Clark is a child of Earth or child of Krypton, so is Clark's going to destroy Zod's ship? Stop! If you destroy this ship, you destroy Krypton! And Clark says, Krypton had its chance! And then yeah. proceeds to destroy the ship. He's chosen. He's not an alien. He's man. Next great moment, Fayora L versus Colonel Hardy. How great. Oh, on the ship? On the ship. Yeah. On the, on the C-17. Die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. And then they all get sucked into A the, good yeah. death is its own reward. And she stops and she cocks her head like, oh. What do you mean? Oh, damn. no. Bam, into Zod's ship, blam, singularity, all right. Uh, um, I, Kryptonian, I d- Kryptonians, black hole, black hole. So, yeah, and Superman and, and Zod start fighting. Um, well, it, but but without Superman ever saying, you know, Zod, it's over, but I don't have to kill you. And then Zod being the bad guy and, and pushing it away. It's just sort of like, well, now we're going to fight. No, that's kind of there because he says, I won't stop. You know, I was born for this. I was bred for yeah. this. It's there. It's just not as strong as I would he, care for. He sets it up earlier, though, a little before that, when we know that Zod is alive. So the ship is gone. Singularity sucks everything up. Oh, good. We're good. Nope. Mm-hmm. Zod comes in and Zod is angry because he's destroyed the, the Genesis chambers. Zod's reason for being is being challenged. I exist. Only to protect Krypton. That is the sole purpose for which I was born. And every action I take, no matter how violent or how cruel, is for the greater good of my people. And now, I have no people. My soul, that is what you have taken from me. Mm -hmm. Right, and this is where Zod says, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to make them suffer, Cal. These humans you've adopted, I will take them all from you. The fight, the fight in Smallville is great. This fight is it's too much. Nope, oh. I think it, I think it's too much. Nerd fight. It's uh, Superman, I, though. It, yeah, but I'm fine with the beginning. In fact, two hours, four minutes, and forty-five seconds. Yes. When he slams him into the girder, if you look behind him when they're in that uh, building that's starting to be built, yes, you can see a sign that says, last day since action. Oh, it's yeah. like 200 <laughs> some odd days. When so, he gets slammed into it, it turns to zero. zero. I'm like, nice. that's a funny little joke. It's a great bit of superhero action, like in and of itself. Like it's it wonderfully rendered. It's, I mean, it's as good a throwdown of superpower beings as you've ever seen on screen. It's just thematically first of all it's just it's really late in a rather long movie but it's thematically zod should be throwing him through buildings and then he should be stopping to catch every person as they fall down if you really want to build to the way that and i think we've reached the point where it can't be a spoiler anymore (laughs) to how this fight ends telling a story of he's being handicapped by his own good nature then you need to build that all the way so that's that he's fair. constantly struggling to catch people, to save people, and it's making him right. lose the fight every minute. But it, they don't do any of that. They just kind of wail on each other until he... Well, but even within that, though, I liked... So I see a style in that fight. Zod, who's been raised as a warrior in a society that raises a child for purpose. You're a garbage man. 
you're a scientist, you're right. a warrior. Zod's fighting style is brutal, oh, right? Like yeah. it is like every blow is a killing blow if he can land it. I love that Clark is more elegant somehow or more smooth. Not that he's better match, right? Like it's just like no, skill, finesse versus power. Yeah. But Zod is brutal. You know, Clark is smooth. But it still brings us back to this point. Now, there's some really cool moments in here. Zod does this running up the building that reminded me of the Hulk. Yeah, that was very Hulk. There's an oh shit moment, I think at the construction site, when Zod casts off the remnants of his armor and rises up uh, Christ-like. A little bit, yeah. Right? And and you're like, oh shit. It's pure power versus power. They're going at it and they go farther, more buildings. They crash into a train station. And that's when. <laughs> well, wait, before we get to that, real oh, quick. Sorry. So part of this fight goes into space. Yes. Th- where they th- where where Zod throws a satellite at him. <laughs> and right. what does that satellite say on it? Oh, I missed it. Wayne Enterprises. It does Wayne not. Of course 100%. it 100%. They're building the world at this point. That's cool. Fuck. Damn, that's good. I Isn't like that, that great? I like that. I love moments. the little world yeah. building in this movie. Yeah. So they're there in the train station, and it is not the train station from X-Men. It's not. It's, it's not, not. I looked at it. Which up. I always think is Grand Central. I'm thinking of... So if you think of that open-air, multi-layer train station... That's going to be Grand Central. That's Grand Central. Sistine Chapel looking. Okay, yeah. so that's what they want us to... That's the evocative image. Sure. But 100%. there's no one there. There's no one there. <laughs> right. There's except just for one just unlucky family. And They're definitely coming back from a drop. Like, <laughs> there are so many things... That, Worst vacation ...that, that Superman could do other than... So we're getting to the no, spoiler that this we is the mo- Spoiler alert... Okay, he could ahead, have flown him into space. Nope. He could have. Nope. <laughs> no, you're no, just no. You, whatever you want, it is. You want no. neck snapping, huh? Well, no. What I love is so with Jonathan, mm. arguably, there's other choices. Right. What I so I hear you that I hear you that this is not the the, the position you want Superman put into, but I feel like I feel like Zack Snyder wanted to answer this question if Clark had no choice but to kill his enemy or allow innocents to be murdered. He's killed in the comics. He's killed Zod in the comics. Uh, well, not Zod. There was a Zod-like figure. There were three Kryptonian <laughs> super criminals. This is all post-crisis, who he did because he couldn't put them back in the Phantom Zone from whence they escaped and because they had killed an entire planet. Oh. He did stage his own trial and execute them as the last representative of Kryptonian justice. But did he snap their necks? No, he executed. <laughs> I forget how he executed them, but it weighed so heavily on his conscience that he went insane and started dressing up at night as a figure called the Gangbuster. This is where Gangbuster comes from? Yes. During which he was so deep in the psychology of it, he forgot he had superpowers so they didn't manifest. So he was beating people up at night as a Batman-type figure. Like He had a psychotic break because of it. He didn't just yell once and then have a hopeful ending. But that that yell, (laughs) that yell is pretty awesome. It's well acted. He could sit here and think of a thousand ways he could have done it without killing Zod. He could have put his hands over his eyes. That I will say no to all of them. Could he have tickled him? Of course you're going to say no to all of them because the screenwriter already said no to all of them. He was put in that position because they wanted him there because they wanted him to snap a neck. Yeah. Right. So meta thinking, you're right. So, Colin, you are 100% correct. They wanted Superman in a kill or let innocence die question. With, right. with no other outs. 
Because no, to your point, if they're fl- if the, the scene when instead of throwing the the Wayne Enterprises satellite, if they're floating in orbit, and Zod says, "Cal, I'm going to go down to that planet, and I'm going to kill every single one of those stinking humans that you love, mm-hmm. and this will show you what you did by killing Krypton." At that point, if Clark runs over and like punches through his chest and kills him, then you go, "Dude, you had like a hundred other options, right. right?" But they wanted to bring this down to a single choice with two. Two options, no third, no creative solutions, one or the other. So this is this is Cal's Kobayashi Maru. It's the Kobayashi Maru that cannot be hacked. Oh. And what do and, you do? And, but, I, but just to me, that's a bad way to write Superman. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm with Colin on that. Yeah. Okay. What makes Superman interesting and special is that ability to always find a way, is that he is better than us and he leads by example. It's not just the powers. It's not that he's a god. It's that he shows us the best part of humanity. And by being better, by having everything that you could possibly use for any kind of selfish gain and never using it that way, never taking the easy way. But is that because he was never put in that position? No, be- no, Because no, it's again, because, it's because he- at the end, at the end of every single so thing, he should feel like he's put in that position and he should find another way so so in this movie at that moment what is the choice clark should make oh what? i mean i mean okay let, let's say we can't he can't find the space yep. all that other stuff. no third the option. choice he should put himself in between that's a third those. option that's a third option i feel that's good no i but I, I that's a good point colin okay so clark will never stop looking for the third option no that that's okay i can i can respect that Superman. I yeah, can respect that. Like. Now, in a totally more piddling way that this scene doesn't hold up, how does Zod not know that you can move your eyes independent of your that, neck? That, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a very fair <laughs> Maybe point. Maybe Kryptonians can't. Right. They're oh, like yeah. owls. They have to turn their neck to look at other things. That's right. Yeah, that was a... That, that's well played. A, he's half in a sleeper hold already. I mean, you just sleeper hold him and you're done. So yeah, if, just squeeze a little just, harder. He's going to pass you out. Know, right, here are my two things about the scene. If it was the end of the, the dark middle chapter, it might work a little better, where he became Superman and then had to make a terrible choice and then has to find himself again in the third movie. Yep. As opposed to being like his origin is steeped in blood or snap necks as it were. But it also, it's like if Zack Snyder wants to make a movie where Superman snaps necks because Zack Snyder thinks snapping necks is cool, then make that movie. But he made a movie where this symbol means hope and you're going to do wonderful things. You're going to change the world. And then it ends with a neck snap. And it's just, <laughs> it doesn't have a logical, internal, emotional, thematic consistency. You know what? I hear you. I don't, I, no, I no. that's fair. I get it. I, I get that perspective. I, I do. I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Film. If it was just grim, badass Superman who decides to snap a neck, it would be a better film. It would be a film I would dislike even more, but it would be, <laughs> A film which, by its own rules, holds together better. I agree. Okay. I'm going to agree with All Colin right. on this. All right. Overruled. There's a neck snapping. A couple funny things at the end. Superman has no concerns about being monitored. He drops a drone. Funny moment. Do you think that they filmed this both ways where he says, are you effing stupid or are you fucking stupid to see if they get one by for a PG-13 oh, rating? Maybe. Yeah. I wish he just said, are Which you is, stupid? It's not a thing people say. Yeah. Military members that I'm familiar with are not say afraid to him. curse. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
but the <clears throat> captain that who's driving General Swanwick is funny. Now, Colin, do you know who this captain is? No, is it somebody? It's Carol Ferris. Who is that? No, her name is not Carol Ferris. 100% Carol wow. Ferris. Uh, it is Hal Jordan's longtime girlfriend what? who becomes Star Sapphire, an evil lantern. What? Yes. No shit. Oh, interesting. That's wild. Now, I, I do have to say, <laughs> when she says... I just think he's kind of hot. Kind of? I mean... I'm a I'm a straight man. He is he's beautiful, super duper fucking right. hot. That dude. I <laughs> yes. mean, come on, he's like a statue. I mean, for he Christ's is. sake, he's he's a handsome devil. Thanks. And Colin, our cousin Matt, have you ever noticed that when we talk about Henry Cavill, he says it looks like me. I love our cousin Matt. Is a great person, but I want to be like. <laughs> Are you fucking stupid? (laughs) I look nothing like Henry Cavill. Thank you, but nope. Yeah. (laughs) That man is a god. Yeah. Um, We're missing the most important line in this scene. When he lands down, yeah, in the scene, and he says, um, you know, are you effing stupid? Clark's response is, I know you're trying to find out where I hang my cape. You won't. That Such is, a great that's line. Pretty badass. <laughs> like, that's pretty badass. Not going to happen. Yeah. I and, really like that a lot. And then to close the origin story, we see Perry White walking through the newsroom of the Daily Planet, introduces Lois to the new reporter, Clark Kent. Uh, Lo- intercut with him biking to work because, of course, this Clark that's Kent is right. a hipster. He's a hipster, of course. <sighs> with a set With a messenger bag. Lo- yeah, exactly. Two great lines. Lois says, Welcome to the planet. Clark says, It's the last line of the movie. Glad to be here, Lois. In <laughs> close. Holy shit, that's a movie. We got a movie here, Ooh, folks. Boy. Okay. Ooh, oh, there was a Ryanism. Oh, Ooh, okay. Ah, boy. Oh, boy. boy. Uh, it comes from watching Quantum Leap as a kid. Yep. Let's go round robin. Uh, let's start with Colin. Who was your MVP? Ooh. Uh, I got to say it's Cavill. I mean, he really, he's got to hold together, like I said, several times a movie that's trying to fly in several different directions. And I think he does, a, <laughs> he does a really good job with it. Uh, even though the character is not kind of consistently written. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. God no, yours. listen, my favorite Superman on, on film, Henry Cavill, MVP, MVP. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, we got the trifecta here. Yay. guys. A hundred percent. It is Henry Cavill. He, he looks the part, not so much the part in the writing, but he takes this character, makes his own, good or bad, and carries this movie. And this is like his first major motion picture where he is the lead, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah he did yeah. The Immortals. He was like, which, and he was on um, Tudors. Yeah, 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 but nothing to this level. Nothing no, to this, this level. Yeah. He, he Breakout. Did, yeah. He does it. He, he handles this movie beautifully you can quibble over the writing you cannot point a finger at him he carried yeah it's nothing that that is wrong with this movie is henry cavill's fault yep favorite character todd jonathan kent the more the moral compass yeah of of clark kent and much like the moral compasses in game of thrones doesn't last very long well don't get too attached (laughs) colin what's your favorite character Oh, God, you know, I actually think it was Fiora, because I remember nice. both times being like, I just love it. And I think it was how much I was waiting for them to get around to Wonder Woman. <laughs> sure. Like, oh, I want to see Fiora all fight Diana. Oh, I want to see that. You just want to see That'd that actress cool. fight Gal Gadot? Whatever it takes. <laughs> Don't judge me. Not, not judging. I'm right. <laughs> You're right with me. I have bought that ticket, too, sir. Um, mine was Perry White. Oh. Yeah. He was great. Just because of my age, the Perry White, I 
remember the most is from the terrible show Lois and Clark. Smith. Lane Smith, man, good on him, but holy crap, that version of Perry White is obnoxious as fuck God. compared to this one. So isn't he when Perry's really into Elvis? Great Shades of Elvis. Yeah. Oh His God. two yeah. lines that he says are Great Shades of Elvis and Great Caesar's Ghost, which Caesar's Ghost is from the comics. And he does Great not say it in this movie, Elvis? but I believe he says it in BVS. He says Great Caesar's yeah, Ghost. Give us that. Good, because I would pay real money to see Lawrence Fishburne say Great Caesar's Ghost. Oh, uh, you know, I think you're right. I think I, I, I don't think you have guy. to pay any money. I'll I'll send you the movie no, no. and we'll no, I'll get it out of the library. <laughs> there you go. A totally legal way of doing it. All right. This. Best scene. Colin, what's your best scene? Oh, first flight. Okay. Mm, oh, you know, I didn't pick that one, but Oh no. No. Quick change it. No, I know the I want to. Mine. The flight was good. But I'll tell you, it is Clark rescuing the crew off the oil platform. It's the first time That's we fair. see his heroism. And again, it's this moment like it's a different Superman. We haven't seen this. I movie. was really certain instead of heroism, you're going to say it's the first time we see his hair hairy chest. chest. And I, you know, that hairy, hairy chest. Is that wrong that I really like that? You know? No, no, as, as an incredibly hairy man, I was like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was the flight. Okay. Yeah. I just... That I was so cool. It was. I can't believe I didn't pick that. Yeah, you. You're off the podcast. I know. I'm kind of. I kind of regret my choice. Yeah. All right. Um, actor having the most fun. Todd. Michael Shannon. Yeah. Chewing oh up boy. that scenery is odd. Oh, yeah. so good. Colin. Despite having my suspicions that Michael Shannon doesn't, whatever his acting process is, isn't actually that fun for him. Uh, <laughs> Does seem to be. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's a classic over the top villain yes. riff, and it works. It works great. Yeah, he's guys. We got a trifecta twice in yes, one episode. Nice. It is one hundred percent Michael Shannon. All right. <sighs> one scene to cut. Uh, Colin, what's yeah. your one scene to cut? I mean, would I cut it or would I just snap its neck? <laughs> Nicely oh, done, brother. First of all, I how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, no. If I could change one thing about this movie and give it another 20 points, it would be that. Nice. Okay. So for me, it's not a tight scene. I guess it's more of a a way they approached it. But as Lois is following Clark's trail to get to Martha. Why did you say Easy. Thank you, Bob. I mean, I I acknowledge that it sets her up as a real hard-nosed investigative journalist, and that's how she was able to find him. But for me, it was just like, eh, I don't care. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're a horrible human being. Well, clearly. Yes. <laughs> Mine is, it's something we didn't talk about during the episode. The flashback at the very end where it's young Clark wearing the Superman yes. cape. How the oh, fuck yeah. does he know how to emulate himself? When a kid wears a cape and puts their hands on their hips like that, that's fucking Superman. Yeah. How does yeah. Superman know how to Superman? Well, at if you did eight. that and you set that up as like how heroism in some version of fiction is portrayed in this world and then you do John Burns thing where Martha makes the suit. Right. It doesn't jibe at all with the fact that like that red cape comes from Krypton. It just it's it's random. And I love the fact I love how Byrne did that, right? Like, because mm-hmm. it's not the material isn't magical; it's a field next to skin. So, yeah, it's it's cloth yeah. like anything else. You rip it, you sew it, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I love right. that. All right. Okay, so the Rotten Tomatoes score for Tomatoes. this movie is fifty-five percent. Fifty-five. That is your 
That's, that's Barber College. <laughs> it's Barber. It's Barber College. Okay, Colin, what's your score? I, you know, I'm going to completely agree with the critics. 55. Whoa! Like, what? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that is an upset. It is, it, it Todd is, is crying. It is, <laughs> it is technically very well made. It has several very good moments, but it has some fatal flaws that keep it from holding together. You know? Wow. It would, it, if we're using the analogy of a grade in school, it would mm-hmm. be... The, the, you know, kind of in, kind of out, working okay, but having some problems essay that in the last three paragraphs just devolves into ranting nonsense and the ingredients of cornflakes. It just doesn't hold together, oh. and it, I, I certainly would never know more than a sixty-five. Like it just doesn't pass the grade wow. for me. Okay. Wow. Okay, Todd, you go ahead. Yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes fifty-five. You know, I have some issues with the internal logic, especially around his powers. Like I, I just I'm willing to sure. suspend disbelief, but I want it to be consistent. And I didn't get a sense of what that looked like. But far better than a fifty-five. I give it an eighty-five, which is a solid B. Wow. It's a solid B. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I am literally in the middle of the road of you two. I okay. gave it a seventy-two. It's a oh. C minus. Not great. Okay. You know, you you don't you didn't really do your homework on the, this character to understand who he is, what his core belief in life is. Mm-hmm. But it has some visually appealing moments to it. The cinematography is really beautiful in this movie, even yes. with the sepia tones. Which all holds up. Not um, that it's old. Everyone's not, it's acting the shit out of this movie. So C minus for me. Okay. That's a good spread. That's nice. <sighs> so nice. there we go. Colin, this was your first Super Pod Hero Cast. What'd you think? It was fun times. All right. Yeah. Colin, Colin this, was a, this was an absolute yeah. pleasure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We will definitely have you on for another Superman movie. So we have reviewed this movie. We've given all our thoughts. Every thought. Literally every and opinions. Thought. The next Superman movie is like podcast like 10 minutes long. We get nothing. <laughs> because left. we won't have to do the we history. Nothing. That's one of the things yeah. that we've been discussing, Danny and I and Aubrey and you have been. Yep. They're too long. When we get to having all these characters explained, we won't have all yes. this history. So the first right, Superman, exactly. the first Superman podcast is going to be long because we won't repeat what Colin very artfully went through. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. No, it won't be. So, so you get a lot in this. It's a yeah. bonus. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll put the one as the history of Superman and then there's the review the movie. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah. Todd. And now it's time to pick the next movie from Thor's Helmet. Okay. It's your turn, buddy. Okay. Oh, boy. Don't draw a shitty movie. All, All right. right. Here we I go. I just want one slip, which I've got. I've got one slip. Okay. Okay. Oh, please don't suck. Please don't, please suck. don't suck. Please don't suck. Okay. So we've got... The other 150-odd movies in there, and I have just pulled a slip from Thor's helmet. Mm-hmm. Colin and Casey, would you like to know what movie we'll be watching next? I definitely do. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Oh, no. Oh, my God. No, this is good. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> we had our first guest tonight. Yes. Colin Ryan, your brother. Yes. Great. Colin, appreciate you having here. Our next episode, we might have wives. We might have kids. Oh my as God. we watch Sky High. <gasps> oh, Sky nice. High. I, oh, I know, I know Aubrey said that she would be a part of oh this Oh, my one. God. I'm so excited. Two special guests in a row. Oh, my God. Sky High oh, is so fun. good. That's I have fun. never seen this movie. <gasps> You've never seen this movie? I've never seen so this movie. So we need a viewing. I feel oh, yeah, like this will a be family, a viewing together. Yeah. A fa- but like with the family. Yeah, we can see what or at we least can work whoever, out. Yeah. Whoever's there. All right. Oh, my God. So let's, um, so let's watch the trailer right now. Sure. Will, I just want you to know how proud I am that you'll be attending my alma mater. 
From the moment Will Stronghold started high school, he knew he was in for the ride of his life. Here we go! Welcome to Sky High. You are the descendants Ow! of the world's most legendary superheroes. All he wants is to live up to his family name. My parents are the greatest superheroes on the planet. But he's not sure he's got what it takes. Step up here and show me your power. Car. Hero. If you don't make hero, you're just a sidekick. Car. Are you insane? Sidekick. Now. All I ever wanted for him was to save the world. To transform himself. We can't change who he is. Not without dropping him in a vat of toxic waste. Where will we even find a vat of Steve! He'll have to test his limits. You have three minutes to immobilize your opponents and save the citizens. Uh, remember when we used to use real citizens? Yes. Uh... <laughs> and unleash the hero within. He's strong. So strong? <laughs> He's super strong. From Walt Disney Pictures, Woo! discovering his powers was just the beginning. Great. Because the heroes of tomorrow... Hey, you wanna dance? No. Me neither. ...will have to save the world today. My old enemy always swore he'd have his revenge on me. Put my dad down. The sky is the limit. Yeah, my boy! Sky high. My boy has super strength. Come here. Ow! Sorry. Ow! You are strong! Do, do you know what? Oh, God, I'm really shocked. Do you know what Rotten Tomatoes rates this movie at? What? From the critics, 73%. I think that's low. I think it's low. I think that should be a higher rating just by Kurt Russell's hair. It's the best hair in Hollywood. This is one of those movies rental all over the place. So okay, we, you, where can we rent it? Go you ahead. can rent it on Google Play, YouTube, iTunes, Amazon Video, Vudu. So it's very widely out there. It's a movie. From What's the price? Two thousand five. They're all uh, three dollars, two ninety nine to rent. Not bad. Very affordable. Um, I'll tell you right now, watch this one with your kids. It's a great movie. Eee, I'm excited. Oh, my okay. God. So, Holy cow. So, yes. Colin, how can people find you should you wish to be found? Well, I'm on Facebook under my own name, Colin Ryan. And uh, I am on Twitter at, at Roll of Colin Ryan. Wait, you're on Twitter? Uh, how I'm are we not, not on Instagram because I don't really understand what it's about. Um, Wait, Colin, we're not, Insta- we're not Twitter we don't follow each other on Twitter? No, but I also never post. While we're here, I'm going to follow you right now. Um, and you can find things about what I'm doing on stage and screen at colinryan.info. Oh, because dot com is taken by a chemical engineer. Fuck that guy. Eh, he seems like a decent dude. <laughs> no, no, no. I've learned, Fuck that guy. I've, I've, I've creeped all over his website. <laughs> that'll get cut out and we should point out that befitting your profession as an actor role is r-o-l-e role yes, of r-o-l-e 
Yes, not it is not a Twitter account dedicated to my artist and baking. That's right. That's right. That's right. Todd, where can people find you should you wish to be found? For all of your blogging needs, <laughs> I am at tmpinsyr.com as my blog or Twitter at tmp in SYR. Casey, where can you be found on the interwebs should you wish to be found? God damn it, Colin. You followed me before I got to you. <laughs> and I'm not very good at Twitter. Uh, I can be found on Instagram at not.ryancasey and on Twitter at notryancasey. Now, we also have a couple more. Uh, if you disagree or you love us so much that you have to tell us, you can uh-huh. write us a letter. Tony. At superpodherocast at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, We've also recently stood up a mini blog site to put some stuff that doesn't exactly fit with a podcast feed. You can find that at www.tsphc, which are the initials for the superpodherocast.com, or on Facebook at www.facebook slash superpodherocast. Nice. So that'll do it for the Superpod Hero Cast. Episode six. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Colin Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And for Casey Ryan, I'm Colin Ryan. And I've been your moderator, Bob Brown. Be, Be heroic. heroic. Yes. We did we it. We did it. All right. Reshoots and reactions. And reactions. Well, Bob's just going to say that. That's true. (laughs) nothing. Yeah, I agree. I think when we got to ROM Space Night was when I said to myself, none of this is making it into the final product. Oh, oh, I love Hoopla. Hoopla Hoopla's a great way to read. Township 5, right? Oh, no. (laughs) Hang on. Not Hoopla. (laughs) Not Hoopla, the Froyo place? No. Hoopla, an app that you can. Yes. Digital media. Digital media. But Todd, Todd, every time I read comics, I drive five and a half hours to get a frozen yogurt. Hey, hey, ho, hey, ho. We're at three thirty-seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move it along. All right, All right. so. All right. <laughs> oh, almost, uh, almost the spin. All right, tank. so All right. let's. You've you, never seen, wait. Hang on. You've never seen BVS? Uh, BV, no, I had my BVS cleared up with a light application. <laughs> of, uh, you bastard. Oh no. Um, <laughs> or emails on this one, Tony. Tony. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that I'm glad you're back in the compound. <laughs> you fucker. Po- point of order. It should just be the Phantom Zone. Point of order. Point of order. All right. Thanks, <laughs> ding, thanks, ding, Bob. Ding. Thank you, Bob. Oh, is Bob ringing the gavel in this universe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Was it mediator? How, how dare you, sir? First of all, how dare you? <laughs> okay. First so of now. all, how dare you both? No, uh, that's Bob. That's, that's Bob. Bob. Thank you. Oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the Superpod Hero Cast. I'm Todd Panic. Nope. Nope. You're, <laughs> Do you yep. need the lights? I, I don't. Oh, I, Todd. I, got, I, I have the script here in front of me. Do you <laughs> need a prompter? Guys with beers. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Your line. Line. I'll just your, say line. line. This is where line. you see. Your line is. Your line is. Okay. Good luck editing that one. Yo, boy. Yeah. The glass. Hang on. Oh. I knocked my microphone. Oh, well, Monel is a Daxamite, sir. Yeah, well, oh, wait a minute. Are, Please adjust we, your nerd glasses. Uh, well, adjust yeah, my nerd glasses. Yeah. Real, real, real comic Daxamites are actually a lost uh, colony of Krypton. They're not oh, a sister planet. Uh, well, oh. then, Colin, you should adjust your nerdy glasses. Right. Well played, sir. But, Point to you. Oh, yes. No, you're, Boy, you're right. That's not the happening about when the trees gain superpowers. Don't you have to watch the happening now? Guys, guys, I think it's the trees. <laughs> it's the trees.
it'll not be Caliban. No, not Caliban. Um, no, uh, Steppenwolf. 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 I'm sorry. Bow, I'm sorry. Bow, bow. You're right. Why are you calling me, little girl? <laughs> <laughs> There's your outtake. It's <laughs> it's it's a rictatorship. It's it, listen. It should be a rictatorship. But <laughs> is that who we need? We need Rick Grimes to we, fix the shit. Fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> Give Rick in um, that forty four. No, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, Todd. You're the oh, one talking. No. Okay. Uh, all right. So, yippee ki yay, Batman. All right. All right, so so what's happening in this movie? Well, so there's if they're as good as Wonder Woman, we're we're all set. Fucking it, I'll watch Wonder Woman all day long. And on Wonder Woman, uh, I would love to be. I'm on just Wonder gonna Woman. read this. Oh yes, Miguel, <laughs> good that. Right. Was that a big large baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's for that's for Danny. Between that for Danny every time now. We're sure Gerber crap version. Sorry, Danny. I love you. And you're welcome. You cannot use newborns on set. They are hell on craft services. They <laughs> hang out and drink coffee all day. That's right. Hitting the, on everybody left and the, right. They're worse right. than Harvey Weinstein. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, Yo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How long have we been talking? Look, the good uh, news is. Three hours now. 320. Hours. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I have to edit, edit this. this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So maybe, I'm, I'm maybe done I, talking for the rest maybe of the Maybe I podcast. take over. The Phantom Zone. <clears throat> Let me try that again. Pause. What are you talking about with Joe Chill's gun? No, he, he's saying that it's a defining. Oh, this didn't happen in the comics of the of the character. I was like, like if, what the fuck Krypton is this madness? Explode, what is Superman so, doing? Right. <laughs> I thought you were telling me that Bruce's parents faked their that, death. Right. Rock. Oh, Rock. Awesome. I'll just say what I know. I'm like Ron Burgundy. Yes. Just put it in front of I'm me. Ron I'm Ron Burgundy. Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Hardwick. That's a different. That's Debbie Does Dallas. Let's do our plugs. Yes, Colin. Do you, what do you want? How do you want to plug yourself for this? Plugs before we do the helmet. Turn Oh sequence. my God, yeah. Colin! We've got to draw from Thor's draw. helmet. Let's. Uh, so ref, reminder: Rotten Tomatoes. Nope, that's yes. at the end. Oh, is it the radio? Yeah, the last one. Oh, the Shut scenes? the oh, fuck, fuck up, Todd. God damn it. Okay. You are ruining this podcast. Son of a... <laughs> damn it. Next time we're going to go five hours. Yes. Well, I'll, what I'll are be, we at? I'll four? be honest with you. We're at four hours and 50 minutes. <laughs> we're, so, we're at five hours. So we, be heroic. Be heroic. <laughs> it's, no, no, it's fine. It's going to say just like that because that was great because of the delay. Casey, cut all that out.